Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Before we start the show, a word from our sponsor. Lyndon, we got sponsors. Hell yeah, we do. Well, I guess we got to thank Dash Mortgage and You First Realty. Who are those guys? They're your full service mortgage and real estate brokerage. Who is behind that? Our good friend, Dan Horgan. Dan Horgan? Yeah, he not only rips out in the water, but he's an experienced loan professional. Hmm. So what does he do? He helps out in conventional FHA, VA, refi, or jumbo loan products. So Dan has the lenders to make it happen. Yes, and he'll give you the best service in the industry. Nice. Dash mortgage with no bogus fees or points? That's right. Just give Dan five minutes of your time to hear what he can do for you. So who does all the real estate then? That would be me. What? Well, Dan has his license too, but I work under Dan. Okay. Yeah. But you're a real estate agent too? You know this. Oh, yeah, I remember now. I helped you get your house. Oh, you did? Yeah. All right. So if you're looking to buy, sell your home, or looking for an investment property, give me a call. So not only a Ruka rep, you're an experienced realtor? Yeah, I didn't quit my day job, Lennon. I still I still work for Ruka. <laughs> okay. I do real estate on the weekends. Yeah, I've been offering great incentive programs for all my friends and family to keep more equity in their pocket. I guess I'm not a friends or family because I never heard about this. <laughs> but all you on the Late Night and Chalky podcast, Saul, call her office. 714-784-5736 and mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Nice. Anything else we know need to know about Dash Mortgage? Um, just our California Realtor BRE number, 01993245. Okay, let's stop talking about real estate and mortgages. Let's talk about what really matters and what is that? Surf trips. And where do we like to go? Off my mind, Nicaragua. And where do we stay in Nicaragua? The one and only Mark and Dave's. Mark and Dave's. An exclusive, inclusive, all-inclusive boutique hotel on the beach. Waves out front, ponga drops, waves down the beach, Colorado's where I saw Late Night Lar get shactified. Oh, insane in the membrane down there. Tons of barrels, but better yet, it's not just the surf that's insane down there, it's just this compound that they have. Killer poolside, killer food, top of the line chefs, you name it. It's in a safe, gated community. Uh, They'll pick you up at the airport, they'll drop you off at the the house. Um, There's ping pong table, there's Horseback Multiple, riding. There's horseback riding. Yeah. There's world-class fishing. Golfing. There's golfing. Um, the scenic. I mean, it's it's the best. You could get a massage after surfing for four hours in the morning. Yeah. So it's great for people that are traveling by themselves. It's a great place to bring your family. It's a great place to have a retreat. It's a great place to have, you know what I'm saying? 
Bachelor parties. You know what I'm saying? I think we've been there for all of the above. We might have. So go to Mark and Dave's website and mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast, and you're gonna get 200 bucks off a selected uh, off selected weeks for the rest of 2019. Oh, sign me up! This is insane. Mark and Dave's. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. We are here with Damien Dumas Farinfort. Thanks for I, having me. Did I say that right? Perfect. <laughs> yes, you nailed it. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you for yep. coming. As Thanks. you can uh, hear, Duma has an accent. Yes. Not Australian, South African. South African. Common misconception, yeah. It's, did I say that? It's, Sorry. It's the what did you say? It's romantic. Did oh I say God. that? Oh my gosh. Wow. I've been here 10 years and it's the only thing I've got going for, for me, so I've kept it strong. You know, you'll always meet a Serbian yeah. and they don't lose their accents because they're like, this is my point of difference. <laughs> so, Damien, Duma, you hail from South Africa. Before we get into the present day um, Duma story, let's talk about your, your uh, Gromhood back in South Africa. Oh, the, right. the land of many good waves. I know. It's hard living here for that reason. But uh, I grew up in Cape Town. And when I was growing up in Cape Town, it actually wasn't that cool because it was the water's freezing, right? And the wet were shitty back then. It's not like the wet are now. And I couldn't imagine the generation before me. Yeah. The wet even worse. Or my, you know, my dad and them were using rugby jerseys when they were yeah. young. Yeah. Called the next generation pussies. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, exactly. you know what we did? Your, your dad surfed? My dad surfed, yeah. So he nice. got me into surfing. He never really pushed it. Um, I think he knew once he got me into surfing, his surfing days would be over. So he kind of let it go as long as possible. But my grand, she would pick me up every day from preschool and take me to the beach. There was this beach every Tuesday, sorry, not every day. From every Tuesday, we'd go to this beach and we'd swim and we'd boogie board. And I remember getting like the worst rashes on my stomach. Oh yeah, board. I remember like those days. Five or six. And then one day she snapped this, she was just in the shore break with this, you know, disposable camera or film camera. And she got this picture and she got them developed. And she came to my dad. My dad's like, why would you tell me standing up? Oh and I guess I've been standing on the boogie. You know? and I, was, I was a mini grom then. I wasn't always this tall. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't <laughs> always was six tall. Four. Yeah, I six wasn't four? always six four. Yeah, I was six three, six four. Somewhere in the middle. Um, and my dad was like, oh, shit, he's surfing. So, like, he went and bought me a wetsuit. And, you know, I used one of his old boards. And that was kind of the beginning. And, you know, just started the foam for ages. And he'd kind of, like, he'd be out there back surfing with his friends. And just kind of looking and making sure that... Yeah. Not still in there. What was the ratio of like kids at school that surf? Because around here, I mean, we live at the beach, Huntington being like you know, surf city and a ton of some good surfers coming out here. But at you know, there's so many people here, yeah. especially in Huntington, California, that you, there's not that many like kids that you know, compared to the amount of kids at school that surf. So, was it like so, so? I grew up in a small town of like 300 people when I was growing up, it was like three, 400 people, and you know, it could obviously got bigger and bigger as I grew up, and it was a beautiful little beach town in Cape Town. Uh, called Komaki and it was a small community so I had quite a few friends that were surfing and my dad's friends that were surfing already and then the older guys and we all went to school together so it was like a natural progression so it was actually it had that sense of community like Huntington Beach where the ki- the dads are like at the comps with the kids and you know you have the what's it called like the um, you have the club contest and yeah. then the nationals and then that was kind of the evolution so you so kind that, of that system was already in place yeah, and, that, and yeah. that's kind of been the demise, I think, of like surfing in the US and South Africa and these kind of countries is losing that club contest. Yeah. Because that's like... Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. 
Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. As a young kid, that's your entry level. Yeah. You start at the club yeah. college. Like, I was going there with my dad, whether he was surfing the comps or not, because all his friends were there. Yeah. And that was it. It was like about, it started as camaraderie. Yeah. And there also happened to be a competition element to it. And then as that died in South Africa, so did like, you know, the entry of a bunch of kids surfing and then the junior series fall yeah. away and now everyone's trying to get it back. But there's, there's been a big gap, you know, that yeah. gap between Geordie and everyone else yeah. has been big and significant. And I think maybe the same could go for here too. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, the, the, the generation, you know, camaraderie and then like the layers of, you know, the, the dads, the youth and then the up and coming, it's just such a great atmosphere, you yeah. know, to like. Get everybody together. That's why I, I wonder if Australia's club scenes Insane. falling off, or or you know what I mean? Because right now there's not that, is they're not as dominant as they used to be. Yeah, right? I think they're trying to bring it back because yeah. it did fall off for a while. But yeah. they've got you know, they've always had such a deep talent pool. Yeah, how many people are there? Like you look at pure numbers, how many good yeah. surfers they have. Like yeah. the average surf in Australia just rips. I rips. know. I've, <laughs> I've always heard that. I've never been to Australia, but every time that a friend of mine goes, it's like, dude. Everybody freaking rips in Australia. It's yeah. so hard to get waves yeah. already because it's crowded. But every you know dude in the lineup, every girl in the lineup rips now. It is, it is crowded there, but there there's a ton of good waves there too. <laughs> and because everyone rips, there's actually a bit more organization than here. Yeah, yeah. like people actually there's a bit of a flow of things, you know. Yeah, yeah. like a cure in there, you're gonna get burned or whatever. But at most spots, you can kind of go and get waves. Yeah. But uh, I always say, like, a good surfer is somebody that can, like, take off and get barreled confidently, you know? Yeah. And, like, everyone can get barreled there. Yeah. So, so Cape Town, it's it's not n- notorious for just, like, good in big waves because you got a big, you know, a couple big wave spots, but, like, it's sharky. Yeah, so, you know what? There was never sharks growing up. Like, there's always been this kind of, like, or there's always been this idea that there were big sharks in Cape Town. But until I was about 14 or 15, there'd never actually been a shark attack wow. in Cape Town. There, there was, like... Big great whites off the coast, and there, there used to be this one called the submarine that like fishermen would talk about, but it wasn't so much about the sharks. And then I remember this, there's this wave called Dunes, and you've seen lots of footage of Geordie since he's moved to Cape Town surfing. There's this like perfect offshore beach break, and it's like wave after wave, a frame peaks, and Mick and them all come over and surf it. And that was like I would walk from my house there, it was like this. So it's this beach, it's about five miles, and you've got to kind of walk to the middle of it, and that's where the waves start. So you've got to, from whatever side you park on, you've got to walk in. So it's a long walk. and Keep, Keeps the crowd down. Keeps the crowd down. Yeah. They always say they would see big sharks at the back, but we had never seen one surfing. We surfed in the onshore by ourselves until dark. Yeah. And then this boogie border was put in half by a great white. Wow. Like, literally in half. I remember there was this photos on the internet of it, but from his chest down to pretty much his like knees. Like it was just one bite. And by the time he got to the beach, he was already bled out. Yeah. Oh. And that was like the start. And, it was and you were like 14? 
Yeah, I was like 14. I remember I was away that weekend surfing this left-hand point like two hours up the coast. Otherwise, I would have been surfing that wave. Yeah. And that was the start of the Sharks in Cape Town. And it was all started from that chumming. You wow. know, these guys were chumming and they were getting closer and closer and the business hit big time. And what happened was, you know, you start getting foreign investment. These guys are running boats and they're chumming closer to shore so mm. they can run more charters. And uh, that ignited the, the next feet, week, the, the next frenzy, and and change the pattern of where they normally yeah, like that circulate, circulate. You know, well, so that's exactly it. So they, so that was on the west coast. I grew up on so Cape Town is a peninsula. You've got the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean, the east coast, basically the east coast yeah. and the west coast. So it kind of starts right there. So I grew up on the west side in Kumiki and the Atlantic Ocean. That was on the Atlantic side. Two weeks later, this kid got his. I can remember his name, J.P. Andrews. This kid who's surfing this way of Musenberg way was kind of like the beginner wave that we all grew up surfing and he lost his leg Damn. and from then it was just like wildfire yeah Ugh. like there was a woman swimming the next week in the bay with everybody watching families and she just got eaten by a great white from everyone yeah. and like one after the other i would not i don't know if i keep surfing man yeah <laughs> yeah i know well june's now you go down to june's and like you know we used to just spread across the whole beach because it's peaks for like a mile yeah now like it's very focused yeah through, so, you know, <laughs> like you ride a wave in you go around it so getting back to the beginning, like when did you like stand up or on your boogie board versus like transitioning into like the surfboard, hard, so, hard, hardboard? My dad was pretty amped straight away. He went and got, he just had an old board that he was like, you're going to ride this now. And I wasn't still that keen on that. And, but what happened at that time, all my friends were surfing and that was like, basically like I'd go to the beach and if I wasn't surfing. Were you like six years old, seven years yeah, old? Yeah, I was probably six or seven. I think I just started junior school or like school. Yeah. Um, so they were going, I was just like, all right, I better keep surfing just to do that. And then when I really got into it was we all entered the local club contest. We used to be called the cadets mm. and I beat them all. And it was just like, I mean, just kids riding foamies. I just rode the longest foamy because I probably had the biggest board. And like, I remember the dads like sneakily giving us pushes. Like they weren't meant to push us. And like yeah. dads would be getting heated that like one dad's like pushing the kid. Like, <laughs> and I beat them. I was like, oh, finally, I'm better at my friends. And so I'm better at something than all my friends. And uh, from there, I was like hooked. Your dad was pretty psyched then, huh? Yeah, he was stoked. Yeah, was he was, was he a pretty dang a, a pretty good surfer or? Um, I don't know. He was yeah, he was good surf. He was confident surf. He would surf like heavy waves and you. Yeah. You know, I remember him and my mom. That was kind of like most of their fighting when I was young was because of surfing. So he must have been pretty dedicated. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it gets in the way because oh. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> like how South African surfers are compared to like. You know, surfers here are they the same kind of like? I think I think that's what the kind of like connects us all. It's all yeah. surfers at the end of the day, you know, like yeah, yeah. you know, the toughest Aussie guy can hang out with the loudest American because like at the end of the day we've all got something in common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always kind of have a soft spot for one another. Yeah, um, for sure. So like South African surfers, yeah, I think they probably were pretty hardcore back then. I don't think my dad was that hardcore, but those guys like, you know, the big I, wave scene in Cape Town started with guys like on zodiacs like towing each other into waves. And, yeah, yeah, I. I've been to South Africa a few times and it, it's amazing. People are super nice. I mean, like you said, the camaraderie around the world and you go to a different country and you don't know what to expect, like the heavy localism or, you know, how you fit yeah. in or they know. Is there localism there? I mean, at certain spots, mm. I mean, you know, just yeah. like anywhere. Just like but, anywhere. But, I mean, people, as long as you aren't a kook, That's it, it's you fine. Yeah. It's all about respect in the water. And, I mean, no matter where you go, if you show respect, you talk to them like, hey, I'm here, blah, 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 like... They're cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the difference there, and still to this day, like, and I think up the west, you know, up there, sorry, up the central coast, up California, and that you'll get a smack if you step out of line. Still. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. there's spots, but like, 
yeah you know you can kind of get away with murder now but still in Africa, like you step out of jbay you'll get punched you know yeah and cape town and wherever so yeah, you don't have the lifeguard police like we do yeah that's it if you go yeah. like if you, yeah if you're arguing in the water you go to the beach it's fine yeah you know, there's not like there's not all this talk so you started surfing competition yeah, I started surfing comps. I was I got super into it. I was doing before I knew it. I was doing nationals. That's actually Jordy and I met at our first nationals. He was like, I think I was nine. He was maybe eight, hmm. and we became friends then. And we were just riding foamies still. And then the following year, he won. The, I won the under ten. When you say foamies, foam boards? No, or foamy waves like whitewash. Whitewash, yeah, whitewash. We call them foamies. Um, he won under eight nationals, and I won under ten. And we're from different. He was from Cape Town. I was from. Dur- I mean, I was from Cape Town. He was Durban. But we'd always stay with each other when we went, you know, to an event up yeah, on the yeah. coast. And his dad was making me boards and um, and then just like we just were competing and that's that's kind of evolution. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I <laughs> just, yeah. I mean So when uh, when did you do you remember your first surfboard? I can remember my first surfboard, it was just one so I, I remember just riding my dad's, but then he went and got me this like I think it was a six six, it was this local shaper. And it was just a second-hand board, like, and had this, like, kind of, like, blue to kind of pink fade on it. Yeah. Um, 80s. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, but, but Jordy at this Nationals, so, like, I was nine, he was, or whatever it was, nine and eight, or eight and seven. And it was 995 in Vic Bay. And he, he had, like, the sickest shape board, because dad was a shaper. Yeah, dad was a shaper. on it. And like a Nirvana board, like we would get magazines, like six, we'd get surf magazines six months later. Yeah. Like movies, like, I remember watching, like, Jay and Jeff and these guys in the Bud Tours like yeah. on TV and my, my dad would record it when when it aired on the VCR yeah and then watch that thing till the hot 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 summer nights like that's it like I first time I met Jeff Jeff how do you say Jeff's last name Jeff and Jeff and I would say both I was like holy shit it's Jeff Jeff and he was like you know what it be 45 now or whatever I was like we'll do thing out still yeah that's what we grew up on you know uh, he is um, my nemesis. He won every contest. Yeah. He's a machine. He is. He, he still is even to this day he kicks yeah. your ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he he does. It's it could be two foot and all of a sudden like a four footer comes to him. Oh, you know, here comes Jeff. Sun comes out, glasses off, and yeah. it's like uh, he's one of those guys. He's <laughs> yeah. one of those guys. Oh, Just a wave. We love you, D ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's how we grew up. And anyway, he had this like custom board Nirvana, and he was. You know, I was riding this like six eight, whatever, something that I could hold. I couldn't even carry it up the beach. Like my dad had to carry it up the beach and Jordy had this like, you know, five O custom shape with the stickers Yeah. Well. And he came up to me afterwards. We both lost. And I think Ricky Basnet won who and uh Jordy came up to us and he's, he came up to me and he's like, because my dad and his dad had known each other for a long time. He's like, Don't worry, my dad will sponsor you. Like, get rid of this big board and like we'll get you on a small one. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Like a few months later I had like a smaller one and yeah. Got you on the right path, on the yeah. right board. You know, that's what's cool. If about you're going to be friends with me, yeah. you ain't going to be riding that yeah, board. And I was like, well, I'm sponsored by Nirvana now. But that's cool. <laughs> you guys are serving. Is that his dad's brand? Nirvana? His dad had Nirvana. Yeah. He had the license for Nirvana back in the day. Yeah. He was shaped his kind of That's that weird, like, shape. logo, right? Yeah, it's from Australia. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. Mark Sainsbury used to ride those, right? Yeah. Whoa, yeah, that's dude, it. you got a really good memory of Ross there. Clark Jones, too, maybe? Yeah, Ross. Because yeah. he was the guy from Avoca Beach, where those guys are all from. So. Yeah. And then in the surf encyclopedia. Seriously, don't worry I'm about a, Joe Chappelle. I'm a surf nerd. Yeah, yeah, you are. I'm not a Joe Chappelle, though. I no, think he's... Fact, yeah, I think, yeah, he's actually he's the encyclopedia. Yeah. Or you're, you might be the Britannica. Uh, Close. A thesaurus. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. No. 
We're, we're Chocopedia. Yeah. But that's awesome that Jordy was like, hey, let's get you a board that where you could get yeah. better. I mean, here you are, kids, you're competing against each other. You usually don't want to give your, your buddy the upper hand. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like that's kind of how it is still today, even at the pro level. Guys are like, oh, you're ripping. Like, what are you riding? Like, let me check. You know, yeah. I feel, I think everybody wants everybody's level to get, better. you know, better. Well, I'm sure when you go surf with Jeff now, you surf better. Yeah. Because, like, you just had that, like, you know, that kind of camaraderie or that you had that competitiveness for, you know, 25 years. Yeah. So when you get, it just elevates your surfing when you're surfing with it. Yeah. Oh, for or sure. Or surfing with people that are ripping around you. Yeah. So, we, we heard your first surfboard sponsor. Who was your first, like, apparel? So, I won nationals that year. Nice. Uh, and I came home and I stoked. And I, like, whacked. The other kids couldn't even get out the back. And I was, like, out the back. And that's only why I won, because I went the furthest out. <laughs> and I went all the way and I rode these waves. I rode them dead straight all the way in. But these, like, you know, they were probably two foot at the time, but they felt like they were six, eight foot. Yeah. And people were like, whoa, because we were in Durban. And the waves in Durban were so much easier because it was shorts. Yeah. Because water's warm. Mm. Jump off the piers. There's a current around. I grew up in Cape Town where it's like, you know, the Cape Town, it comes from there. It comes from these like Southern Hemisphere um, big storms, these cold fronts. And they come up. So when it hits Cape Swell Town. Swell is in his groomed. And yeah. It's a little bit more it. deep so water. Once you start getting up to Namibia, Durban, J-Bay, the swells are groomed and they start cleaning up. But Cape Town's like funky and it's lumpy and yeah. it's cold and it's you're just more badass from like yeah. Cape Town. Yeah, come on come it. on just say and it. i was like these durban waves are easy i was a kid i was like these durban waves are easy the kids are surfing the yeah thin the lip and, and smooth and, like, and perfect back no problem anyway so i won then and i wanted to ride for billabong because in cape town i mean in south africa there was quicksilver and billabong and those are the two brands and they weren't just like not just big brands they were like the two most recognizable clothing brands in south africa almost like at the time like they yeah. were up there with the biggest like you know coca-cola Yep. Billabong, Quicksilver, like, and those are the biggest brands. And I remember going to J-Bay and he actually ended up working for Hurley, his his dad. But um, what was his name? His dad's name was. Anyway, they took me in there and I met the guy from Billabong, the boss. And he was like, yeah, man, congratulations. We saw you did so well. And I remember I got this letter in the post like three weeks later. And it was like, you know, you did so well, but we're not going to sponsor you. The Fuck. Billabong guy? Yeah, the Billabong guy. And I was what like, a dick! Yeah, and I was fucking like devastated, like proper, like heartbroken. I was like, I just don't understand. And my dad was like, fuck them, don't worry about it. Anyway, I got sponsored by Hot So they, they, they talked you up, you won that yeah. thing, and then they said, eh. and. he was like, yeah, and he was all cool. And I don't know if he was doing a favor to a friend now, but you know, like yeah. bringing me in and like, you know, giving me some clothes. But he got my hopes up, and then. Yeah. And then but he, him get, down. he did give you some clothes? Yeah, he gave me some clothes and like that kind of thing. They didn't like say I was sponsored, but he's like, we'll come back to you. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, I got this letter, and I remember it was signed by him. It was kind of cool. I had like the Billabong letter here, the whole. That's respectful. Yeah, I mean, you know, it probably was like, hey, we already got maybe Still. a handful of guys that same that's age, the same bracket, and stuff. Anyways. We already got somebody that's tall. Yeah, exactly. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I wasn't tall then. I was short then. Around sixteen, I grew. But uh, he he wrote this letter. So anyway, I was bombing and that kind of thing, and I wrote for Hot Butter for a couple of years. Hot Butter. And then I started like cleaning up the juniors, like where Jordy would win or I would win, and then there'd be a year or two where we'd wouldn't be in the same division and I'd win then especially if he wasn't surfing yeah and then the how was that competing against your best friend he wasn't well we weren't like best friends then like we were friends but like because we lived so far away from each other you know Durban's like excuse me 20 hours away so wow 20 hour hour drive or a two hour flight yeah Yeah. Um, so we'd see each other for you know during the summer holidays and stuff like that or at events and hang out a lot and surf but uh, we weren't we weren't like 
best friends then and you know there wasn't like social media now you're talking to your friend every day yeah like, yeah on the phone but uh i was like i'd won the one there used to be this billabong junior series and it was, we had an incredible junior series when we were like we were like geordie is a product of the junior series and yeah. the brands putting in money into surfing in south africa like because they had this whole series up and down the coast with like you know decent prize money and yeah. nationals and all the all these pro events so going back to it i mean you know south african famous surfers you know Sean Thompson, yeah, uh, Potter, yeah. Who else was there? I mean, then you got like then there was a bit of a break where you had like Greg Emsley, yeah, it was incredible. You yeah, had Greg, Greg. Greer, Paul Canning, um, hmm. um, I mean there was Sean Holmes. Sean, Sean Holmes was like yeah. you know he was it was unfortunate he never actually made the tour because he yeah, was right gone. up there. Oh, but yeah. it was like Jevin Larue. It was his dad Jevin. actually. It yeah. was his dad who told me from a long that they wouldn't sponsor me. Yeah. Oh. Jevin was great. Shane Thorne. He was Shane amazing. Shane Thorne, yeah. It was Shane. Yeah. Uh, so there was a rich pool, like a rich bunch of, I mean, a deep pool of insanely talented Africans. And a lot of them didn't have the means then. I think Shane and them generation was hard because like apartheid was just ending. Traveling was extra hard. Then you know, there wasn't much foreign investment in South Africa because it all put huge um strains on South Africa's trade because they were like that's how they try to force them to end apartheid and that's why we need visas to go anywhere yeah, yeah. that's like the other thing so it's a nightmare and you're really far away from everything that's yeah it. you know travel used to travel be expensive. Expensive. yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to have to travel with visas too it was yeah such a nightmare El Salvador yeah. and passport no Filipino no, Filipino yeah okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get passed for all though yeah he, he who do you want me to be what do yeah. you want me to be yeah Japanese, uh, Mexican. Yeah, yeah exactly. So bill. you know. Yeah. It's not me, man. Yeah. You gotta go for appointments and meetings. And yeah. So, uh, and yeah, so there's been a lot of those. And then there was like Ricky Basnett. And our generation was like really... And then Travis Logie, obviously, too. Oh, yeah. Dude, Logie had an amazing crap career. Crap load of good surfers. Yeah. Davey yeah. Weir qualified. Davey you know? Weir, yeah. yeah. He, won the, he won lowers when it was like a big full mm. star. Frankie yeah. Obelhauser? Obelhauser. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Frankie yeah. is like there. I mean, he's... Still one of the most stylish surfers there yeah. to this day. Yeah, style. He's somewhat of a South African Tom Curran. Absolutely. Somewhat, well, yeah. 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 Pinned, pinned him and Tom together. Rickle did, you know, yeah. back in yeah. the day. He, they wanted yeah. to add a bit more flair to Tom surfing. And when I mean flair, like Frankie was doing the 360s yeah. and the airs and stuff like that, you know, because yeah. he was kind of slightly below pots. Yeah, that, yeah. that searching for Tom Curran was yeah. in Durban? Uh, Durban, yeah, down the coast. Yeah. yeah, Frankie still got like, I think one or two of Tom's boards. Like those old fishes and crazy shit like yeah, that yeah. The, in his rafters of his house. Yeah, I bet, man. Tom, Tom, Tom wasn't really probably worried about a board here and there, no. you know. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of pros, you know. Like oh yeah, here I'm just not gonna travel. Keep well, it. well, I remember thinking, hearing that Tom used to not travel with boards, and I don't know if this is true or not, but he would just leave a bunch of boards in like different areas. And then if he was going, he'd be like, hey, you got my boards. And yeah. I was just thinking like, fuck. Or order a bunch of the local shapers. Like I, I used to go there every year and I had sponsors, but I'd always order, no matter where I was at on the planet, like order local shapers. I get yeah. Peter Daniels. I'd order like uh, cool. four, four or six of them, you know, because they were so inexpensive in South Africa because yeah. yeah. of labor and material costs and, and just guys the, do the strength of the dollar. So I'd be like. Well, those guys if, are making boards for that area. And they know, yeah. they, they definitely know. And the, Peter was the a world-class shaper. Oh, yeah. insane. Yeah. I remember we used to get, I used to work at Hunt Surf and Sport and yeah. do the buying for yeah. the surfboard yeah. room and I remember getting rip curls with Peter Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Cool. oh, they're insane. Yeah. Um, and then we remember, did you ever get Ricardo Machines in Brazil? I didn't, know The RMs. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I was younger. It's the same thing. You get these local boards in different areas and it'd be amazing. Yeah. So hot buttered. So hot butter, they were like cool. They were so good to me. Like, Is that an Australian brand, right? Australian yeah. brand by the Fitzgeralds. 
Yeah. You know, and they were they were really nice to me, and I was a grom, and I was stoked, and you know, I think you just get free clothes and help out on a trip or two here and there. And then I won this event at my local break, like where I could walk down to surf the the Billabong Junior Comp. And I think I beat like Jordy and this other kid, Josh Redman and Brennan Jackson, the final. And the woman from Billabong who owned it came and like said to me, like, "Hey, we want to sponsor you." And I remember my whole time, like years before that, I was like, fuck Bulawong, like I'll never write for it. And she said that to me, and I was just like, yes. Hell yes. <laughs> yes. I need yes. a sticker right now. And my dad was like, well, you got to be loyal to Hot Button. I was like, ah, forget about Hot Button. I'm going to Bulawong. And then because of that, we were, you know, Jordan and I on the same team. And the brand is so good then. Ricky, Baznet, Warwick, right? There's a whole crew of us. Um, and we all started like traveling together and surfing. And that's kind of when we all became yeah. close. And it really caused this to be like super competitive. Yep within the structure yeah so where would most of the contests be because you know in south africa i mean there's a ton of coastline but there's a lot of undeveloped like the trans guy area and like if i said that right yeah but, um there's Perfect. different there's different areas where there's a lot of desolation and then you know pop-up towns. so cape town I, I would assume j bay port elizabeth whatever around there yeah. and then durban yeah so exactly so you, you spot on so cape town there'd always be one or two in cape town and then there was actually on the way to J-Bay, there's this place called Vic Bay. And it's a super fun kind of soft ride point. And you can like, you know, it's, it's kind of... South of, of J-Bay? So, yeah, so it's like okay. slightly more towards Cape Town. Yeah. So like two hours south of J-Bay. Uh, maybe three hours. So it's four hours from Cape Town. I've got another three hours of J-Bay. Um, so they would always have one there, then J-Bay. And then East London. Yep. East London was like where all the shock takes. So South Africa's got a bad name for shocks because of East London. It's like the shittiest part of South Africa. It's got great waves now that I'm a bit older. I remember hating them when I was a kid. Yeah. But it's always had this like real hardcore crew of surfers because Nahoon Reef, like you've everyone's seen the National Geographic footage of the kid getting hit, bit by two sharks. <sighs> That's there. Like how Andrew Carter lost it, you know, he got bit by a shark there, his friend died. Like just one off tack after the other day. Yeah. It, it's part of that. It's at the like midpoint or basin of that like giant like horn. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it's, it's. You know, it's almost yeah, it's a, it's a bay, super you know, far but out, it's yeah. really, really big. It's just a big oval of the coastline. Check it out on the map, you guys. Yeah, it's probably one of like, the furthest points, like east, yeah. you know, like as you're going through Africa, but or through South Africa. but And then it's a huge drop off on the other side. So then East London, and then you miss the whole Trans guy, yeah. and then Durban, you know, yeah. and that was kind of the, the series there. Cool. So, so you started riding Bill Bong, yeah, and the woman surfing contests against. Jordy and everyone and the woman from Billabong, she was incredible. She had a house on the point at Super Tubes and she, I mean, she's That's thought Jeffrey's of, Bay then, right? Yeah. yeah. Her name was Sharon Croft and she'd been like a second mother to all of us. Like she would have all the groms every summer holidays would all be at her house, like living like kings. She'd have ladies that look after us and would be, would have, I mean, it, she it's pretty much like the pipe house. Like yeah, set exactly up. Like that. if you, if you can, I know everybody could, they know the pipe, you know, pipe set up. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon's house was like, there. Oh, did you meet her too? Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I've been there lots of times. Yeah. Did you go to Sharon's house and say hi? I used to stay at Jeff's house and then, you know, some of the B&Bs, like, you know, depending on the time of year and what's going on, but yeah. Yeah, Sharon. So she'd have us all there and she'd just like look after us. And Billabong, that's where their hub was. And it's incredible that she grew that brand, how big it was from such a small town. Because at one stage, she, when she sold Billabong to the US, was when like the US became the global headquarters and they started buying out all the other licensees. Um, she was like the richest woman in South Africa at that stage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she sold it. Yeah, Billabong was based out of J-Bay, which you said is yeah. a pretty small area. Were most of the other brands out of Durban area? Quicksilver was out of Durban. You know, like there was really at that stage in the surf industry, there was no real room for anyone else. Yeah. It was Quicksilver and Billabong. And you had the Rip Curls and still to this day, like 
you know, at that stage, Billabong was like a luxury brand amongst like Beyond Surfer was mm. the non-endemic and that's what made it so big. And yeah. Quicksilver too, you yeah. know, it was like you wore Quicksilver or you're a Billabong guy, that was the right. kind of thing. Um, but then like Volcoms and then they've never quite managed to get any real traction, the Neil's, the Volcoms, because there's just not enough market share. Yeah. yeah. And Billabong and them had it so tied up. Not enough big population and... Yeah, just like, you know, by the time Volcom came around, Billabong and Quicksilver were really big brands. Yeah. yeah. So they're just, in the, when you've got a small market, it's hard to squeeze in there. and it takes a while for that and next generation to grasp the newness and by yeah. the time they get old it's just like a generation gap almost absolutely and there was like crazy war between Billabong and Quicksilver like, oh I bet battle, it's, like, it's been forever it was here too yeah yeah it was sure. so cool like I remember like one year for Christmas the guys remember the Quicksilver Crossing yeah yeah so like you know which was one of the coolest things that I think ever done in surf still like I remember thinking like I would change the Quicksilver to go on the crossing <laughs> you know like these guys are finding perfect waves yeah um, but they, they drove it down overnight. There was a, there was a random summer swell coming to Supertubes um, for, on Christmas Day. And they drove it down from Durban. Was it parked in Durban, being docked and being like fixed and repaired before it went up the East Coast, like all the way up to Senegal and Cape Verde and all that. And they drove it to Supertubes. And Sharon like literally opened her blinds in the morning to pumping stars in the quicksilver. Big quicksilver boat. And no behind, way. Like, it was like, you know, you could see, you could just imagine smoke coming out of his ears and like a head shooting off his shoulders. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. So cool. That's a huge marketing yeah. blow right there. Yeah, huh? it's cool. It was just like, and that was the kind of stuff it was smart advertising and yeah. there was that, like that real kind of war, which just made everyone better. Yeah. You know, so they, so they were all investing heavily in surfers because there was this kind of war going on. So we were all given great opportunities. Yeah. So Billabong, how long did you ride for them for? Um... 10 years almost, yeah. Nice. Yeah, 10 years. So I came to the States. You know, and they, well, they were the reason I moved to America too. So this guy used to be this team manager, Steve Clark. And yeah, I was lucky. Steve Clark. 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 Yeah, Clarky. Yeah, yes. he, I mean, he's the reason I'm here. He's the reason I live here and the reason I'm married. And I, I'd i had like a couple of wild cards into J-Bay or the trials and I'd got to the trials and then had a pretty good run in the event once or twice. And one of the years I was having a good run and it was actually when Andy and Katie were like going head to head that year. So I won the trials, Got in that morning, then won my first heat, and it was at like super as good as I've almost seen it. So I went to round three, Andy went to round three, and so did Kelly. And then there was like almost 10 days off. And yeah, there's, there's nothing, so there was nothing, there's just no ways. And there's yeah. nothing else to talk about, but like this wild card that was doing. Anyway, Clarky was like, What are you doing? Like, what's your plan? Like, you're in Africa here. And I was like, Trying to figure it out. Because at that stage, Geordie was like, It was that year, Geordie, like, you got third, maybe. In the contest. Uh, yeah, yeah, as a wild card. Yeah. And like people were like, okay, shit, this guy's here right. to stay. He, and he probably could have won. I think he lost to Taj in the semi. Um, he actually beat Timmy Ray, so we're talking about Timmy early in the quarter. Awesome. <laughs> um, <and clears throat> but yeah, Jordy was still on Bilbong and he had these like fresh JSs and he looked like Parker. And and Clarky was like, what are you going to do? And at that stage, I was kind of figuring out that like I wasn't going to be like a crazy world tour. So, you know, I was like getting a couple of runs and wins here and there. I could yeah. maybe try and qualify, but wasn't so I was like okay I need to kind of branch out and my dad had always been like you should go to the states or Oz or you know Savage is just too far from everything if you actually want to have a proper go at this yeah so you're trying to figure out your yeah forward Clarky was career. like would you move to the states and I was like yeah I would in a heartbeat and you know if you know Clarky you know that he's got like crazy ADD and there's no time for anything so like within the next like hour I had a phone call from the team manager in Savage being like hey we heard you moving to the states and I was like, oh, kind of wanted to have that conversation one-on-one -on -one with you like, yeah. to see if it was an opportunity. He's like, we love the idea. Like, let's do it. Wow, that's and awesome. And next year, I was in America. That's cool. For 
to surf the to tour surf. here? Or? Well, yeah, so they brought me over, and he was this under the thing, like, because I was at that stage, I was getting doing more free surfing and finding good waves and photo trips and I had yeah. that blog, Doomers Rumors. And, and during and that, that was, time, there was more opportunities to do to be that kind absolutely. of surfer. Absolutely. And they were like, come over, you can do some modeling, like, we'll keep you busy. That's yeah. kind of what he said. And I was like, cool, I'll check it out for a while. And Jordy had just, you know, a year or two later, he had, so this was like kind of the evolution of a bit of time. He went on to sign with O'Neill. And then he was spending that, that year between signing, the year between leaving Billabong and signing with O'Neill, because there was a year that went yeah. by, he had been spending a lot of time here because he had so much like press going on. He was doing all this stuff with Kai Neville and filming for movies. Oh, yeah, he's he like, was a hot commodity. Yeah. He was shopping. Yeah, yeah. and he was like, well, you, you got to get over to the US. This is the best place ever. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, I've been there. He's like, just get over here. Like, we'll, we'll have some fun. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> I remember when he signed with O'Neill, and I think he was, uh, Brandy Faber was talking to him about DVS. And that was like, you know, a heated back and forth with Nike and somehow Faber pulled it off and got Jordy well, on DVS then. And almost and also uh bankrupted the business in the in the process. And, yeah. <laughs> I was having this conversation with uh, I just came down, uh, I was telling you guys earlier, I just bought this house and uh, Bruce Beach has helped me get a loan and we're talking about so we're just talking about surfing earlier and we're talking about that Geordie deal with D V S but yeah. um he, yeah, I guess DVS got him because Jordy decided to stay core and stay with the surf brand. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that was a big part of it. You yeah. Know? yeah. No, um, we were stoked. I mean, yeah. at that time, I was working for DVS and we were like, holy shit, like, you know, this is the new guy that's, yeah. you know, taking over, you know, the scene. But um, he didn't really, it, it wasn't his fault that DVS went to no, shit. No, no, not at all. Yeah, they were just like he was just saying that because he probably signed fault. a huge yeah, contract and you're yeah, paying yeah. someone like twenty to forty grand a month depending on their bonuses when yeah. like your oh. business is like kicking kicking rocks. And that was and, like what two thousand five, six, maybe or eight? No, 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 later two thousand ten, eleven. Okay, because he signed he signed that massive deal in two thousand eight with O'Neill, so okay. it was kind of two thousand eight, yeah. nine, yeah. ten. Yeah, um, which I remember, we moved to the states and we were like, this place is in a recession. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. I see, like, I mean, we were in Newport Beach. So yeah, a, of course. Yeah, the yeah. bubble. You're yeah, in the yeah. bubble. I was like, I didn't see a recession here. But anyway, Billabong, so they came over and then, understandably, Quicksilver, I mean, Billabong, US, South Africa were like, hey, can Billabong US over, like, this course of six months to a year, we're like, hey, can they take on half your salary? Or, you know, we can't keep paying somebody that's living there now. Or what is the thing? Because they just weren't getting the value at home. Yeah. Because at that stage, I was getting a lot of photos and magazines and kind of covers of zigzags. So I was providing a lot of value for them on yeah on that level beyond my crappy qs results um and i remember so little long usa were like yes 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 that's why i moved over here and then i got a call from graham stableberg on literally the, the day before christmas he's south african he's too, south african right? yeah um and he was like oh, it's funny it's funny but he was like first telling me like about this like crazy house he built in laguna that he just finished we need like scan your hand to get in and then like Two minutes later, he's like, man, like, sorry, like, we're all taking big hits. Like, you know, we just don't, like, we just can't get that money for you. Yeah. And it was, like, 24 grand Dick. or something. And, and then he was like, at the time, I just started doing the webcast. I'd done my first event. And this guy, Sterling Howard, who now runs Volter and all that. Yeah. He still's got me in at Mundaka. And then he was like, hey, I'll get you on for the whole year. It's four events. Or three events, I'll give you 10 grand for the four. So I was like, awesome. Yeah, I'll extra cash. <laughs> so G was trying to like, and that was from the events budget. He was like trying to roll that into my pay and everything like that. Now, at the time, I was like, what a dick. But now I'm a bit older. I'm like, eh. You understand. I don't blame him. Yeah, yeah. like I understand the surf industry and probably what they were going through at that stage. But um, but he didn't have to prep, you know, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he, he was his Christmas, Christmas Eve, I was like, yeah, this is awesome, thanks. Like, yeah. Um, but I was so lucky, MT, because MT was kind of advising a lot of stuff with Geordie and La Jolla Group through O'Neill. So he'd kind of taken us under his wing. And we're talking Michael Thompson. Yeah, Michael yeah. Thompson. And Michael had taken Geordie under his wing and, and really just helping me too and kind of any South African that had reached out. And he was like, He's like, we'll get you with, we'll get you with O'Neill or La Jolla Group. There's like, there's opportunity in here, and like, I can see what we can do. And he was really helping me. And I remember I was pretty. How, how long? How long was it after you moved here? So probably like a year later. Okay. You know, kind of a year and a bit later. So you, you, and you didn't want to pack up and go home. You wanted to kind no, of. You like, saw the opportunity here, and you're like, I'm gonna stick it out. Absolutely. And I was like, I'll figure it out. Like it's, yeah. I've got to go do some work on the side or something. I'll stay here because there's a lot of opportunity. I was having at that stage. I was just like. In Mexico, it's these girls keep throwing well. themselves at me. I'm not yeah. leaving here. I'm gonna wipe somebody else. <laughs> accent's working. I'm gonna walk as long as I can. Uh, and uh, so, MT was like, we'll figure it out. So, I was pretty far down there with O'Neill, and I was naturally just with Geordie everywhere. So, like, O'Neill, like, it's probably like a sympathy bone. They were like, you'll help him out, and you know, we can use him somewhere and justify it. Um, and then, Bobby Martinez at that stage had that like issue with. Um, Mm-hmm. with Reef and he had like you know asked for too much money and then you know whatever happened and he wasn't running for them and God's like dude like we can get Bobby for like 120 grand like I'm gonna have to give him that budget like I was like yeah I get it like you can pay me 60 grand to do nothing and like hang on HP <laughs> or Newport Beach and try hunt bills or you can yeah. pay Bobby 120 grand too like one of the most badass surfers yeah so but fortunately at that stage Jamie O'Brien left Rusty oh Rusty yeah he left Rusty and they were just like needed someone to just plug in just to like because they just had lots of events they were doing and they you know for them it wasn't about world tour surfers um so i just kind of got plugged into that straight away and nice. mt lined that up and just rolled me into that and that's when they had the rusty house down in newport beach and yeah we had a good little run there and he got mt got me a visa to live here so i was official and then Lindy knows what that's like yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah seriously yeah so you came over the right way Sorry, yeah. not to talk about it. Yeah. You, you yeah. rode for Rusty. Yeah, so I rode for Rusty. Had a couple of years there, and they were like, they were amazing. They were to me. blowing up. Yeah, like, and we were just like, we just, they were just like, just go surf, like, and that was the first time when I was like, all right, I don't have to do comps anymore. Yeah, I can just go find waves and Selena Cruz, El Salvador, wherever Central America, where the waves I would go. Yeah. Um, that's, what, that's, that's what's nice about America. You came from like, like I said, a really good surfing country, like tons and tons of good waves. We have good waves in America. Yeah. California, obviously, but you're, you know, it's not always good, but how sweet is it to hop on a three, two, five hour flight straight down to Central America and just score like anytime? No, it's in the most, that's the best part about it. Cause now I come back and I'll do that. Yeah. And I'm like so stoked to come back and get back into work or whatever. But at home, I'll go home to South Africa and it'll be pumping like better than the waves I get three, four hours down the coast. And I'm like phoning up my friends that I haven't seen in months to go surf and they're like, uh, like maybe I might come down. Like they so surfed out. Everyone's so surfed out in Jane. Oh. So I, I appreciate surfing much more now. I'd be a surf bum there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And most of them are like working, living in the parents' house till 35 in the basement, killing moles. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> no joke. Um, so were, yeah. you, were you guys making um, like movies and stuff with Rusty or? Yeah, we we're doing like Toronto Surf. We we're doing the Imaginarium at the time where they would send the teams away and we we're doing Cali rallies and we we're just, I was doing whatever they needed, yeah. you know, like whether it was modeling, whether it was this, what, whatever they needed, I would kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Nice. So, and they were stoked and like at that stage I had that blog, Doomers Rumors. 
Yeah. And it was getting a bit of, you know, I was, was, I was wondering what we were going to start talking about. Yeah. yeah. So that was like the earlier of the blogging days. You know, Dion, I think, was the first. He was the first I saw. He had like Globe TV slash Dion, and that went pretty big. That was actually really big. And then, you know, there's a few. Um, you know, I think Surfer Magazine just got their website. So I had this Doom and Rumors thing, and it was getting a bit of traction, and it was getting like good views, and causing a bit of, you know, stir in the yeah. industry. Always, I remember, I remember how how cool it was, and, and when I first heard of it, I was like, "What? What? Doom is rumors? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta see this." Yeah, and it was just meant to be kind of like mix satire with like a splash of truth, you know. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of grew beyond that, and then. So, so how had, did you create it? Like, so I wrote through a, Surfer magazine, or no? So I wrote an article for in South Africa for Zigzag. They had just launched their website, and I was in Hawaii, and I wrote this article about. It was basically like a North Shore like kind of debrief, like what what had been happening in the last month in Hawaii. Yeah, that's cool. And one of the things was like I remember Bruce was in um the what's it called? The 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 food store there? Foodland? Foodland. And Bruce was in Foodland and there was a story where he was like throwing toothbrushes at the manager and like there was this like in, in true Bruce Rockstar fashion, you know, like there was a crazy story and I wrote about it. And people like loved it and like it got shared on like different I think Surfer had the forum, all these different forums. Yeah. And people were like generally psyched on it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Um, okay, so I got just, something here. Yeah, so I just wrote a few things. Like, because I was just around everybody, I knew like, you know, it was the end of the year. I knew that, hey, this person was going to this brand. And because you would see the guy with yeah. a sticker on his board and it wasn't, it hadn't broken yet because, you know, they would go show these campaigns and then it would come out in the September issue yeah. that launched in March of Surfer Magazine. Yeah. You know, he uh, was the first investigative yeah, reporter. The TMZ. Whoa. <laughs> the TMZ of surf. The Duma yeah. TMZ of surf. So I was doing that and people seemed to like it and there was a bit of a point of view there and like Rusty thought it was cool and you know, it's just, I guess it was, what well, they say, building a profile. Yeah. Um, even though nothing was about me ever. Yeah. But, um, and then it just kind of grew from there. That's awesome. funny, dude. That's, yeah. I mean, that was kind of, yeah. That's when everybody's starting want, starting to want content, right? Well, like, that was it, the early days. And that yeah. well, of, well, content, everybody wanted content, but at a, a more um, everyday, like, yeah. you know, current time content. Yeah. Not, you know, like you said, wait four months for the magazine to pop out. They hear something that you've heard whispers of or, you know, second exactly. hand. Yeah, and you could, like, I started figuring out, like, I could influence people's decisions through yeah. like launching something before it actually happened and yeah. like I would hear people talking about in the water about something that I just made up <laughs> you know and I'd be like fuck it's pretty crazy <laughs> like I, you know like since having a business but I'll tell you later but Bob Hurley like once once snapped on me in front of a bunch of people and uh, <laughs> Bob snapped wow yeah. you must have really got to this yeah and, and, okay I'll tell you the story so I went to Lowers with uh, with some friends and Pat O'Connor was at Comp was on and it was the Hurley Pro. And I'd written this blog post saying that Hurley's getting sold. Yeah, <laughs> that Nike were buying Hurley, which was all right. Um, so wait, way before the fact? I think it was before the fact. Like, so I might be wrong, but yes, I think it was before the but, fact. Or yes. right then and there. Did you hear something or you just thought of No, no, I'd, I'd heard it. So okay. I heard it that they were selling. Okay. And I was in Newport Beach, you know what I mean? Like living on the on the peninsula. Yeah. So yeah. like, I was probably like, you're in the heart of it. I was probably yeah. 15 doors down from Bob's house. Yeah. Like somebody probably heard neighbor. You, you, you had yeah. the cup up against the side wall of his door, like trying to yeah. listen in. Exactly. <laughs> but what had happened, so I did this whole blog post, like saying that it was going on and I photoshopped some funny shit and posted it. And I remember, I think it was Jevin telling me like, 
yo, Bob sent this company out, this company-wide email <laughs> saying like, because I guess people started freaking out, like thinking they were losing their jobs. And now that I've been employed and I remember learning this at Quicksilver, like, okay, shit, like there's a bit more to this than just me right. like, making up shit. You know, this right. affects people's lives and people get stressed out. And yeah. so people thought they were naturally losing their jobs. Companies go to Oregon, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, and I think it was before you got to announce at the company. Anyway, so I think, so Jevin had told me, and I, I might have some of the words wrong, but he said like, Bob had sent this email to the company wide saying like some sea level pro surfer with a shitty blog like that. And I was like, at the stage, at that stage, I was like, I'm pretty stoked to be considered sea level. Like, I remember thinking that was a bit of a win. Like, I was like, more like D, E, F level. Uh, and, uh, and he was like, so he told me that like Bob had sent this out and he was kind of pissed. And I was like, oh shit. All right. So my first encounter with Bob was at the Hurley pro. And so you, you were, you you knew that there was going to be some kind of trouble, maybe. Yeah. So you I, go. Well, I was like, yeah, I wasn't sure how to like dance around this, and I was like, whatever. Like, the best thing is just to hit it front on, you know, just yeah. take it front on. I wrote it, so I can't hide behind my words, you know. Yeah. The internet has be, since become a wall for people to so, hide behind. So. so you you went to the contest. So walking down, and Pat's like he sees. So he's kind of he's. I'm with a friend from South Africa who actually like used to run Ripcorn and stuff in that Barry Wallens, and he's you know Pat used to stay with him in South Africa, and he owned Quicksilver in South Africa back in the day too, and then sold it to the European uh, side of the business. And Barry and I were kind of he would come over for sales meetings and stuff at Quicksilver, and we we're walking up, and Pat was like, "Oh, I'm up here, I'm up here, come up to the VIP area," and I could like see Bob, and I was like, mm, "I might just duck out left into the contest area," and he's like, "Come up, come up," so we go up there. And Brock Little's there, and Brock was at that stage. He was casting for the Chasing Mavericks yep. movie, and he's like, he kind of says to me like, "Can you surf?" And I'm like, "No, not really." And he's like, oh, "Bummer." And then Barry's like, "No, he can't actually surf. He's just being stupid." And he's like, "Oh well, like I can cast you for the small wave stuff for Jay," and I was like, "All right, cool." And like Brock and I was he talking, and I'm like, "Fuck, I could make some money here." Yeah, right? yeah this is awesome. Cool. Like, this so is wait, rad. do you you just like that like? Brock you got saw you and yeah. said, hey. Brock was, yeah. And then like he, and Pat O'Connor was like, oh, you should absolutely use him for the small wave stuff at like Steam and Lane because my hair was super white back then. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I looked like, and I was a little bit skinnier. So it would have looked like a young Jay. And, um, and Bob Hurley just like, eyes came across the room and like just saw me and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, here we go. And he just, I, I can't remember his words, but he just lit me up in front of everyone. That's so... And he was like, you don't understand the kind of like effect, like you're young now. Yeah. You don't understand the kind of effect, like, you know, something like that will have, like, you need to be careful. Like, I remember like thinking I kind of stood my ground a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, well, is it But true? you're respectful. Yeah. And I was respectful yeah. and I always was. Um, but inside I was like just dying. Yeah. And then Barry, who's, Barry's like such a joke, and a prank, and he knows those guys really well. He's like, oh shit, that was that was terrible for you. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh no. Oh, yeah, it ended up coming true. But uh, there's like, so that's just one example, you know. Like Julian hated me for a long time from Doomer's Rumors because I Julian. made fun of his puka shell necklaces. Oh my so gosh! It took him a few years to start. You know what? Me. I'm gonna have to find those articles and post them on our Instagram. Yeah, it'd be website. pretty funny if you could find them. They've got to be there. They um, gotta be there. You know, designed the first one was it used to just be like a shitty like a uh, Tumblr. You know, we could just get the template. Yeah. But then Jason Miller, um, Kelly's brother-in-law, said okay. that he's, he's you know Kelly's a Kalani. Uh, he designed the first Doomers Rumors. I remember I think I paid him like maybe like twelve hundred bucks. Like it was eight hundred bucks up front, then like a hundred bucks a month for the next four months. For the website. To, yeah. To, to, to dial it all in. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so it's just like 
So I was doing that with Rusty. I was having a bit of fun. Dirt, this guy, Sean Lasseter, who was the Rusty team manager at the time, he was like doing all the Photoshop for me and we'd be just making stuff up and having a bit of fun. And then I did one with Michelle Borez. And Michelle Borez, like... And it was a story that had happened to him in Brazil where he had almost, like, died. And I wrote this kind of, like, funny piece. I didn't want to write, like... I'd heard the truth, but I didn't want to write the truth because, you know, it could have got him in trouble or whatever, you know. I didn't want... I never wanted anybody to get in trouble for it. I never wanted to make Dumas Rimmers like, oh, this guy cheated on his girl. Yeah. What is this? It was never meant to be that. It was just meant to be surf news and have a bit of fun with it. Tongue-in-cheek stuff. Exactly. That's it. Like, my kind of sense of humour. And South Africans are very self-deprecating too. So, like, yeah. we tease each other. We tease yeah. other people. Yeah. We we'll, we'll make fun of ourselves. And that's how it was meant to As be. As it should be. That's, that's what's awesome about friendships <laughs> yeah. and i think derek riley at the time he was the editor and the stab he had gone up to michelle like at like two in the morning in france and been like oh my god i read this funny like blog post on you da, da, da. and i photoshopped oh. all these like crazy photos of michelle like like a naked dude with a red bull hat on like getting bit by a dog because this whole story was you know where he almost actually died in brazil and i remember i just got this like facebook message where like the next, when I see you in Hawaii in a couple of weeks, I will kill you. Like, there is <laughs> Michelle like, Perez? He's like, yeah, I was like, just have your arms ready to roll. Like, death is imminent. Wow. And I was like, oh, I remember I was, I was in Cappy's Cafe. <laughs> I was in Cappy's and I read it. I, was, I just started dating my wife and I read it. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got to hang up this, uh, <laughs> this blog. And no joke, the only reason I don't think he beat me up was because the first time I saw him out of, was out of pipe on the day Andy died. I mean, on Andy's Memorial Day. Oh. And, like, he was, like, Andy said to me, he's like, so, thank you, Andy. And Andy, another story, Andy tried, he was pretty furious with me about Dumas Rumors too one day. But he was like, it's not the time right now. Today we were, like, thinking about Andy. Wow. And I was like, oh, thank God. So he, he obviously knew what you yeah. looked like. He was really looking at No, I knew Michelle well then. Yeah, oh, like, he did. Like, I'd watch Michelle, like, one day we're out of this club in Australia. So and what, what happened? Three people up. So he went out to this nightclub and Brazil has this weird like, and this is also like, this, this is what my memory t- serves me best is he, there's this like weird pay system where you, they give you a card when you go oh, to the nightclub. Oh, in the nightclubs. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's oh, a nightmare. It's insane. They give you a card like this, like it's like. No money transactions. They, you walk in and you check in and they give you a card and that's what you use at the bar versus a credit card because of all the scams and yeah, so, money. Exactly. So, and then you pay at the end. So like sometimes you like, only had two drinks and your bill's like $500 and it's like you're going to nice clubs there so it's not that cheap so I think he had got in debate or an argument with the bouncers and the guys like yo I don't have that much drinks like my bill should never mean that much somebody's like using my card or whatever or he had lost his card and then they would try to charge you like a thousand bucks um and he I think he just tried to take a run for it like try to bolt through or he didn't have any money or something and he just bolted and the guy tackled him and they threw him in this van in a gun. I mean, threw him in this van, stripped him, like literally like put a gun to him, stripped him. And while they were driving, like he just jumped out of the car. Like, I heard this story. And yeah. just started running like through the buffellas and like jumping fences. And these guys like chasing after him. And like he was like hiding and these like dogs came after him, like tried to bite him. He was hiding in this guy's like yard. And then the dude came out and was like, shooting at him in the dark. And he ran like five miles nude home, like along the road, like crazy and then like you know naturally it was like yo these people are coming to kill me got home the adrenaline was pumping anyway they got his passport back because you still have to go with your passport in Brazil got his passport back and I'd heard the story I was like whoa crazy so I like wrote this article with a bit of fun tongue in cheek in it yeah. and then all the different scenarios like 
you, I photoshopped you a cast, Red Bull hat. Everyone, you know, at the time yeah. everyone was just rocking Red Bull hats. So I just photoshopped like all, whatever picture I'd use, I just put somebody with a Red Bull hat on. Like, <laughs> and it was like a guy getting like bit by dogs and then just naked dude walking out the club. <laughs> like all those different things. And so he just he, took offense. No, he understood the context of it. You know, so he yeah. just, some guy just come up to him and, and told him, him that. Yeah. So, and I was like, and I was like, hey, Michelle, like, have a read of it. Like, I actually didn't really do anything wrong. Yeah. And he actually like, I think he read it with somebody that, because English was like second or third yeah. language. Yeah. And he read it and he was like, all right, cool. So like the next time I saw him, I was like, oh, it's on now. And he was like, he came and spoke and he like apologized. Like. How funny. Yeah. Man. And he was like, hey man, like it's all good. Like shit, sorry. Like, you know, I didn't understand the context of it all. Yeah. Because he seems cool. like the mellowest nicest guy oh he's the nicest but yeah. i've watched him like he's, he's nicest best. yeah and and he'll only be if somebody's like you'll only you know fight if he's defending himself or that kind of thing but yeah when we were young in australia like 17 18 i watched him beat up like three dudes that were six four no way like yeah because they were like they had like punched one of our friends that was just having good keegan now and he just like rammed these dudes heads into like a car and like beat the shit out of like three full of grown adults and, were, like, <laughs> and i was like i'm dead <laughs> like you know you got that Tahitian strength yeah yeah Tahitian yeah yeah love that guy <laughs> alright go back to the Andy story oh so okay so rewind a couple of years at J-Bay as the wild card and there's actually between this time of like me possibly moving to the states and and being home for the wild card I got the wild card I got through and I think I'd already lost Andy was coming up against Sean Holmes a few weeks before that I was I'd found out that they were having a kid and I found that out from a friend of Billamong that had overheard a conversation when he was in the office. And at that stage, I didn't understand the whole three-month rule. Like, you not know, saying, like, you're yeah. not saying you the until you're out of the first trimester. Yeah. So he had told G, like, it was obviously like, you know, somebody else had heard it, got to me. I was just like, Andy, Andy, I think Lindy are having a baby. Like, you know, like. Super early. Yeah. Like, stoked. Yeah. And I didn't know. And, you know, he had obviously like freaked out and read it. And at that stage, like, surfers, you know, surfers want, everybody wanted to be famous. But nobody wanted what, what, and still to this day, surfers don't want what comes with fame. Yeah. You know, celebrity farts in public, it's all over the media for the next two weeks. You know, like, yeah. we notoriously have got away with murder as surfers, as like high profile, high, well, highly paid athletes, yeah. especially yeah. the top guys, get away with murder. The private life is kept very private, yeah. which they've been lucky. So this was at this stage where I was all of a sudden like, you know, making, putting people out of their comfort zones. You were yeah. disrupting yeah, so, the so, industry. So I hate that word now, but at the same time, just trying to make a buck, man. You know, have fun at it. Trying to stay relevant and stay sponsored. Anyway, he had, he had run down. He was running down for his heat. And I was sitting in the grandstands with some friends from Cape Town. And he, he caught my, like, we caught eyes. We locked eyes. And he was just like, <laughs> Farrenfoot. Like, he was in his jersey, like, running down. And he was like, Farrenfoot. When I get out of this heat, we've got to talk. And like, and it was like probably like 500 people in the grandstand. There were 600 people. They were just like, oh shit. That doesn't and it sound like, good. I was like, what did I do? He's like, you're in trouble. And I was like, fuck. And like, and now I still have PTSD. And my head just starts like spinning. If I see if I've done something. You're in trouble. What have I said? Anyway, I didn't understand. Because at that stage, I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. They having a kid. That's the truth. Yeah. And she was already like, you know, it's a few months gone by. She was pregnant now. Fortunately, you know, she was healthy, healthy baby. And um, he lost, so he lost that heat. He needed a final wave, and then he kind of ripped it. This is like the third time in a row he's lost to Sean Holmes now, and he's going for the title against Kelly. And he's going down the line, done a couple of snaps on his final wave, and he pulls into this tube. And the, or as he's going to pull in the tube, the water photographer kicks through the wave, and just like his whole board, like it, like obviously the ripple effect hits his fin. No, and just like skips his whole board out. 
and recovers and misses, misses the wave and loses by like 0.5. Oh. So he just come in and he's furious. And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to like dodge him and go around. And like, so I don't see him. I'm just like an hour later, he's had a couple of drinks or we've all had a couple of drinks, like often in the contest, but he's had a couple of drinks and he's lost. He's pissed off and he just runs into me. I was like, oh fuck. Anyway, he's <laughs> smacked me over the head a couple of times. No and way. Like, in like a nice way. But fortunately, Mama Billabong Sharon was there and she's like, Andy. Leave him alone. That's like one of my kids. And yeah. he was like, but he was like, yeah, I learned a good lesson that day. He was like, hey, and he explained to me. Yeah. But I was like, ooh, fortunately I got out in time before you got you're, too you're, infuriated. Yeah, you're you're like, this is Andy. I just don't want any conflict, but you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, that's it. Um, anyway, and then, then doing rumors was getting fun and like was getting, and then, but then people were approaching me like, you know, like, let's do this thing gnarly, like, let's get, like, heavy with it and start calling people out. Yeah. And I was like, eh, it's not what it was about. And at that stage with Rusty, I'd have, like, three great years with them. And I was in New York, and I met the whole Quicksilver crew, and they're doing their comp. Oh, the and New York like, uh, best then, contest yeah, ever. Yeah, the New York comp. And I just, first time in New York, and I was just in the city one day. Everything met, came together for that event. Like, who yeah, would have well, thought? Well, not really, but they, they did. Yeah, they had to relocate and yeah. rebuild the... I think they still have like existing lawsuits with insurance companies about because they spend like, you know, a million on talent, like musical talent for the event because it's a whole festival and it got destroyed by Hurricane yeah, or Irma or one of them. Um, So I was in New York and I just met this crew in like Soho having drinks and it was like Michael Crawley, Shea Perkins and then their boss and then they were like, you know, we're doing this thing with Quicksilver and like we want to build up this content program. We know you like to do content and um, let's talk and then you know, fast forward a few months, came the end of the year, and I was actually offered a really good deal from Rusty, a good deal for me at the time, but I remember it was like, prefaced with like, oh, we're going to cut like a couple of these guys, like we're going to cut Yeoman's salary, and this guy's salary, and this guy's salary, like keep you on this thing, and I was like, I had this like really cool opportunity at Quicksilver to work, and I was like, to work and surf and kind of figure it out, and, and I was like, why should like some people suffer here? Yeah. If, you know, if I can go, you know, it's about time. And, here and not bother anybody. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, there, you know, I got to do some trips with Kelly and like do all this stuff. And I was like, okay, like, you know, at the time I thought it was going to be a lot more opportunity and I was going to be able to give them the tools to succeed. But unfortunately, but it was the best thing that also ever happened to me was when I went over there was right when like the shit at the fan and they were laying off like two or 300 people. Like, I remember watching people get laid off and like crying and like people have been there 20 years. And I was like, oh shit, that's what the real world looks like. Yeah. You know, like that's how, that's how, you know, and then you realize the scale. So you started working for Quicksilver. Yeah. So I started working for Quicksilver in marketing departments. Yeah. And then also all the people that had hired me got laid off. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, this is like pretty big. Who was there at that time that you were working? Was Strider still there? So Strider was like, he kind of, he had got laid off a few months later, but he was there. Like I remember Strider was all bummed with me because I was like, just, he rocked up one day. I was just sitting there. Todd O'Krein, yeah. yeah. Todd Klein. Um, they had this guy, Scott Richards. They had Luke. And then they had a bunch of Aussie crew. So they had, um, uh, what's his name? Ryan Scanlon. He was the head. And who else was there? Scano. And then Luke. Anyway, that whole crew. But that whole crew just got decimated. And everyone was so burned out. Yeah. And I was told I was going to build this films apartment. And, but anyway, once I got stunted, I was just like, hey, I might as well just learn as much as I can. So they let me sit on like meetings, you know, with Bob and the crew from PacSun. And I would just like set up stuff and set up the food and, you know, basically do like 
the system style work. Yeah. And I just learned. What, learn. what did they, what title did they hire you under? I was digital content curator. Okay. So, cause they wanted me to go make, build out like a films department. And, you know, I'd always done a good job of doing a, doing a lot with a little. Yeah. You know, where it's like. And you didn't go to school for it. You just kind of. No, just the school of the internet. Yeah. You know? And like yeah. making, you know, makeshift stuff. Yeah. Like, writing blogs and like doing stuff and they were at that stage were like we're spending all this money on these crazy trips like we should be getting way more content out of it right. so my whole job was to go on these trips with kelly dane with the team and make more content like being able to just being able to see a story that's like oh kelly's like you know he might be talking about for instance say he's making a salad like okay this is kelly's nutrition and all of a sudden that's a story so that was my whole job but what happened as i started it was just like shit hit the fan and but I existed there for like two years and I you know I had like an amazing time like I just got surfing and then rolled in at 11 as I'd get in we'd go for lunch and then go surfing again <laughs> I was like this is like I remember I could live the corporate yeah. life the good yeah. old days <laughs> yeah that's it I'm just like giving way to all my friends and like having a sick time um, but you're living in Newport still yeah I was in Newport and then at that stage I was in Australia <laughs> I went over there for the Quicksilver Pro and I was commentating the event and I met Sam McIntosh a few years before that from Stab and they'd always like been good to me when I was trying to surf full time and I met I was just having breakfast one morning and I met Sam's partner Tom and Tom was just chatting to me and he was like asking me what I was doing and I was like we're just having a conversation among strangers and I kind of said to him man like you know you know between you and me I kind of over what I'm doing I thought I'd be challenged a lot more and da 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 and he went back to Sam and I didn't realize at that stage they were trying to launch in the US and he went back to Sam, he's like, I've got the guy. And Sam's like, who is he? And Sam's like, it's waking up super hungover, you know, after a big night on the Goldie. And he's like, Daniel Franford, he's like, ah, fuck, why do we want to, no, he's a pro surfer, like negative, like, no, thank you. Oh. You know, they don't have any hustle, they won't work. And he's like, no, I think we could, we could use him. And Tom, Tom is an amazing guy and he's, and he can really like mentor somebody. Mm -hmm. He's got that real, like, he makes you, he knows, you know where you stand real quickly and he knows how to break it down and teach you and. He's like, just let me handle them because there's so much opportunity in the US because at that stage, you know, the, the traffic yes. had always been like 70, 30 Australia to, you know, US. And then at that stage, it just kind of gone 60, 40 US to Australia. Mm. And the whole globalization thing was going on where everyone was centralizing other, you know, yeah. Orange County, yeah, all the brands. So he's like, we've got to go. That's where the money is. So they came here. I was living down in Costa Mesa with Tom Carey at the time. Oh, okay. And yeah, and Dusty and Tom had just bought a house, so we we're all kind of living there to like offset the mortgage, him and Casey. And they came over and they were just like, we just can't do like Costa Mesa. Like at that stage, like the servants you're just taking, like, you know, it's final kick in the teeth yeah. for that, you know, for that, that cycle. And they were just like, it's depressing down here. Like, we just can't do it. Like, what if we like did somewhere else? And I'd always wanted to live in Venice. My dad, my dad, when I was, my mom was pregnant with me, my dad came to Venice Beach. No, no way. was the last time his time was in the US. And I was like, what about Venice? We went up there one day, we all cruised up and we cruised around for the day. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll move here. And we, and that's why we decided to start stabbing the US. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's, LA is... It's one of the coolest places. I had to sell my Tundra though because of, I didn't, the distance. It didn't Gas was $5 <laughs> a gallon at the time. And, and it didn't fit anywhere in parking spots. Exactly. Well, no, I mean, you know, LA has got such a rich surfing history and culture and stuff. But yeah. You know, there's the accessibility, the, the cost of land, you know, like it just didn't make sense for a lot of surf brands to, to locate up there. I mean, Orange County at the time was, especially Coast Mesa yeah. and, 
you know, just a little bit inland Huntington is a little bit more feasible for a lot of the brands. Yeah, and closer to better surf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like now coming back here because I've been living back here the few last few months with my in-laws. Um, <laughs> just like the waves are night and day better. I used to convince myself that, like, I always just tell people, you know, it's always just like a foot smaller than Huntington, but it's like the same. You're like, do shame, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Uh, and you've got entitled kooks up there. Yeah. Um, but. So uh, you guys launched Stab in so the US launched, in Venice Beach. Yeah, in Venice. And we were just like, you know, I started with a smaller office on Abikini, which is, you know, at this stage. The hipster zone. At that stage, I was paying 500 bucks a month rent. It's probably 15 grand a month rent there now. And it was like right before the cusp of like, I mean, I think. People that lived there were already in this in the stage where like Venice is done. Yeah. But it was right before it was really done, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember the place next door to me was for sale and it was like six hundred and I didn't have the money, but my dad was like, maybe I'll sell my house, like give you the deposit and like buy it. Like you know, I'd rather have money offshore in the U.S. and we didn't do it, but that place three years later was worth one point four. Yeah. Oh. Like it was actually double in a bit, you know. Easy. Um, Easy. And that's how it kind of went quickly. And we did stab, so we started stab up there, and we were really lucky. The timing was, I mean, unfortunately, Toronto Surf kicked the bucket, like, yeah. like you know, two months in, and we just rolled like a lot of those accounts straight into the U.S. And all of a sudden, the U.S. was doing better than ours. It yeah. was me and one kid, and those guys, Sam and Tom, were doing a lot of time over here with me, helping me get it going and teaching me how actually the business runs. So I was like, I had like that kind of school firsthand, and and it was something that was like close to what I knew, you yeah. know, so it wasn't too foreign, and I just had to learn how to do sales and get out of my comfort zone, That's as you cool. know. Yeah, you're, you're well, that was a transition them. of, like, marketing and media, you know, it was yeah. all going from traditional print Because you, you did the sales for it, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, well, but we were all, like, you know, we were forced to all be jack-of-all-trades. You know, we were, like, I did the sales, I produced the trips, I produced the shoots, you know, I wrote articles. <laughs> yeah. And, but, like, I remember, like, our thing was, like, we were the new guys on the block, and I was like, how can we combat Surfline? And surfline and surfer and then we're like and surfing and then there was like kind of what you started but i remember like i'd be driving and get an email about julian like a julian clip that would drop and literally like pull over to the nearest starbucks and like post it first oh. like our thing was about being the first to press yeah, you know yeah. everything was about being first um and it wasn't wasn't until like instagram like stunted the algorithm that we were like eh, it doesn't actually matter about being first anymore yeah because, but it would be like everything you know if there was a final going on at yeah Bay. I would have like an uh, article written for Jordy Smith's wins, defeats Joel Parkinson, <laughs> and I have an article written for Joel, Joel Parkinson, defeats Jordy yeah. Smith. Wow. And that's what it was. And as it would, you know, as that, you know, 10 seconds ago, there's no way it's coming live, boom, Instagram, everything like that. Wow. Like, that level of desperation. Yeah. Too. Talking about being on the clock 24 7. Yeah. Well, you that know? was the cool thing because when I was sleeping, Oz was awake. And yeah. When Oz was sleeping, um, US was awake. Yeah. So we had that 24 7 cycle. Yeah. So, how many people were at the office in Venice? Was it you and... It was me. I had a young girl that just helped out with, like, you know, invoicing and all that kind of thing. Uh, she's at Stance now. And then this kid, Theo, who wrote for me, you know, and we just found a young writer that was, like, hungry. And I, I write, but I'm a terrible writer, and my grammar's terrible, but Sam is good. Sam kind of mentored him a little bit, and we got enough, you know, to, yeah. to get it done. I, I got to tell you, I love Stab magazine still. yeah uh, cool it's insane yeah yeah, yeah like, sam sam's a visionary you know like that he's he's i love what you too when the yeah. boys were part of it but yeah you know it's a shame that um that happened but 
you know, thank God for, for magazines like Stab to, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the media everybody up to such a bummer, you know. You're yeah. seeing like New York Times and these guys getting like another run again and the pendulum's doing it back to them. Yeah. So I hope it kind of comes back to surf. But then the whole part is there's just no money in surf anymore. So the media, like, you know, Sam, like, you know, for him, you, the cost of producing content, as everyone knows, is like extraordinary. Yeah. It's through the roof. So if it won't come with a deal and they're like, We'll pay you thirty grand to go do this content piece on one of our servers. It costs you twenty to do. Yeah, and that's without including your staff's monthly salaries. And so, there's no margin in it. So, I think for them, the events thing, you know, like the stab high coming up, dude, is going to be insane. amazing. Like, yeah, stab, and that and that's, stab in the dark was is one of yeah. the best freaking marketing I, campaigns or I, and, and, videos I've. And it's seen. not just highlighting good surf because that's what ultimately you want to see in here, but it's it's promoting core surf. Yeah, it's promoting. Yeah. All the shapers that are participating, it's supporting like, you know, like kind of the raw, uh, raw of surf where, you know, hey, go, just go out and rip. Are you still part of it? No, so I haven't been a part of Stab for probably three or four years. Okay. Um, But like I wrote an article here and there, I produced a couple of trips. The last thing I did was, last big thing I did was Stab in the Dark with Dane. Uh, We went to Durban. Damn. But uh, yeah, I was pretty sick. That was the first one, right? No, 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 no. Julian the year before. Okay, Julian was the first Julian one. the year before, then Dane, then Jordy, and then Mick. And then there's a big surprise coming for this one. But uh, Jay Larson? Yeah, there you go. Boards. <laughs> but that whole thing always... Stephanie Gilmore is doing the acid one, right? She just did the acid. Yeah, you yeah, can watch yeah. it now. It's it's really cool. But it's actually really good. I like. She um, starts pretty freaking amazing. Oh, dude. All the girls are she, ripping she'd be, now. She'd be the bottom 10 of the CT. Oh, yeah. Out of Bells or like Jayvers somewhere like she really very been, well could. Like, she's better than Kara Bailey and, like... It's crazy. Yeah. Peterson, croissant at J-Bay or yeah. something. Like, they all might be in the short beach break, but out there, she's legitimately better than Dude. one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. Her style's still feminine, too. Well, she, but yeah. her turns are so good. Yeah. She yeah. tweaks them out. She's got, yeah, great style, but um, I'm impressed with all the... All the... Carolyn Marks? Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, the girls, she's, like, you know, I think the WSL has given them, like, a good platform to, like, you know, elevate themselves a lot. Yeah. But I think that the challenge there, because the girls are tearing, and every time I surf with them or I see my lowers, I'm like, geez, these chicks are like legitimately good. And I'm generally a pretty harsh critic of them. But they set them up to fail sometimes. Yeah. Like putting them in like heavy waves. Yeah. Or stuff like that. It's just not right. Like they should never have a heated at pipe for them. No. And like it just, you know what I mean? So like they get, they make all this ground and then they go put them out at like six to eight foot back door and pipe. And I'm like, yeah, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, like you know, people lose yeah. interest. Highlight their strengths. I, I and like not, it. And not their weaknesses. I like it because I mean, we're all striving. There, they want to strive for equality. Yeah, you know, that's that's equality right there. But yeah, I, I understand be, what you're saying. It, it kind of takes them down a notch if if they're not going. Well, that's and it. They're, they're, not, like, they're not coming out of things. And then, like you know, if when I'm watching the <clears> rip, I'm more inclined to watch them surf, which helps the numbers. But yeah. when when I'm seeing them, like you know, that kind of burned me on for a while. I was like. The average the average male surfer could could take off and get barreled. Yeah. You know, and like so that's not like so putting them in like heavy conditions where they just haven't surfed a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's hard to go like it's like throwing you out a choke tomorrow and like expecting you to catch waves. Like yeah. you know, in a month's time you'd be insane out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hard gr- it's hard you gotta put in your time and a lot of dedication in, in Yeah. In, it's hard to get those waves out at pipe or back door. Yeah, yeah, hey, in two thousand twenty one. We're gonna have a pop contest for you. Yeah, I guarantee you. By the time that thing came around, they'd be charging, they'd be ready sick. for it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they'd yeah. be able to drag us on yeah. the backside and, like, you know. You know yeah. what I wanted to bring up is, it would be killer 
if Stab or some magazine would support and like amplify West Coast board writers. That's, yeah, you know what? Right? I just recently discovered and, the you know, West Coast board writers. That's cool, man. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. And yeah. the East it's, Coast. It's long overdue for America to have another youth and community program that supports. Surfing. East Coast now is doing yeah. uh, East Coast Board Riders Club. So in the next couple of years, dude, we're going to have West Coast versus East Coast. See, that's well, how it should be. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, you like we talked about before, it's like, you know, you got the, the generations because of all the, the divisions that they're, you know, it's a decade division, whatever. But the you cost, can surf for Topanga. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the cost. Wait, Topanga back tattoo first. The, the cost for youth amateur contest is so through the roof that if you're, you know, I mean, apparent that it's expensive. Yeah. You know, and you can't always afford a, a coach like a lot of these, you know, kids are getting. You can't afford to do these $90, $75 entries every weekend to go surf in, you know, some of yeah. the youth, uh, you know, organizations. And you it's know, rad we, because it's, but another but, support system to it, help. It is. Uh, and all the curate and cultivate all the past current pros and all the like, you know, elder are embracing the youth, youth and say, hey, we're, have, you know, we're here to have help you. Have you been to one yet? No, yeah. I missed you the gotta, one. I was going to come down and watch the crew the one day, but yeah. I missed it. Yeah, I was away. The, the Jacks Pro yeah. had the wet, they kicked it so off I the West that. Coast. I did watch that. The Dude. waves have been saying that afternoon, right? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, the, cool. whole, the whole time the waves were pumping. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, where else do you get to see little rippers, yeah. mini little rippers, and then... Machado yeah. dropping like a nine five, and yeah. then you yeah. know, and then you get Chris uh, Ward, Machado, Taylor Knox. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, it's insane. And you know what's so cool? Then like, you know, if you're, if you're a young kid trying to get sponsored, yeah. you can just be surfing that, and like, the West Coast board ride is gonna have everyone from like Mike and Nickens to like all yeah. to Jay to everyone. Like, you know, Jay see the kid ripping, he's gonna be like, hey Pat, like I think we should get on this kid now. Yeah, and yeah. that's where it starts, you know. Yeah, yeah, great camaraderie, great like. You know, embracing the community and, and then developing that next generation. But yeah. this is what the brand, this is where the surf brands have fallen over because yeah. the support is not there. Like, Jacks have done an amazing job of supporting surfing in Huntington Beach yeah. in California. Like, yeah. hats off to those guys. But the big guys, they're like, unless there's a value return for them, they're not thinking like big picture where, like, how do we add as much value to our consumer as possible? If a kid grows up surfing the Hurley board riders at Huntington, yeah. he's going to be Hurley loyal for life. Like, you're not yeah. thinking like, how he's going to be in when he's 18 and he's got money. Yeah. You know, getting in on that ground level, like the value thing's gone. They've stopped putting the consumer, the surfer first, yeah. you know, yeah. which it used to be. Well, it's, it's, it's investing it, in the future. And they, like you said, they're looking for a quick return of like how, what's for putting this money in, what are we getting out of it right here and there where surfing is a culture and it's a youth based, you know, so you go sponsor 10, you know, kids in 10 different high schools or yeah, elementary schools and that kid's getting free product guess what every kid at the school is going to be like what that's insane little jimmy i want rad. i want, I want that you got that for free i want to start surfing i want it you know yeah. and it, it's it's kind of building that like next generation and investment it, and it goes my business now is insights and strategy and we did one recently with a brand for brand that's kind of in surfer not surf and the whole thing was it came back to like People are more influenced by the people they serve with every day and they spend most of their time than they are by 
the Kerry Sladers and, you know, the Junior Wilsons and the Colombians of the world because they're unrelatable. Yeah, unrelatable. You know, but like, you know, if I was surfing Huntington with Jay and Jay was tearing on a wave and you'd be like, dude, I got this board, it's like changed my life, I'd be absolutely, I'll probably go and buy one, order one or yeah. inquire about it. But if Julian was riding in later JS and JS is one of my favorite shapers, I'd be like, well, it's Julian Wilson, he tears. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's going to go well. Yeah. So it's that kind of going back to that nano influencer, which goes back to the. You need, you need both, but the, but the, the brands got really top heavy That's in the it. last decade. You well, know? that was Nike and them coming in. Yeah. Know, killed the middle, they killed the middle class of surfing. Yeah. Jeez. Just waxed them. Like, all of a sudden, the guys making 50, 60 grand were like, but because they had to be, the surf brands had to be, because for O'Neill yeah. or Quicksilver to hold on to Dane or Geordie, when these guys are just offering kind of corners everywhere. They're like, unfortunately, we have to wipe out all these guys to be able to afford our premier guy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't their fault. And then all of a sudden, like, you're like, all right, peace out, we're done with surfing. And they yeah. did the same thing in snowboarding. They yeah. came in, they just, like, paid these guys all this money, pushed the price of everyone's stock through the roof. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, it needs to be that, like, healthy ecosystem where, like, yeah. it needs to yeah. grow according to what's affordable. Well, that's what me and Lyndon are here for. We're going we're gonna to change this industry. <laughs> you know, we're going to start at the <laughs> grassroots level, and we're going to come after you guys. One interview at a time. One that's interview starts, at a time. Man. Lennon's like Lennon's like the Filipino Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's gonna stick. Yeah. Oprah. So, so Duba. <laughs> you started working for Stab. And then and then what happened? Um I was doing Stab for a couple of years and I was like we were running and gunning, it was busy and growing. Um and I've always like, you know, I think I'm a serial entrepreneur, which whatever that means, like I just constantly I need newness. Yeah, I need newness. That's it. And I'm like, you need I'm a drive. You yeah, need and I'm, maybe it's a bit of ADD. Like I'm always like the shiny toy. Anyway, welcome to the club. What? At the time, I met a South African guy. Yeah, that's it. All of us. And I met this South African guy, and we had always missed each other at home. But we always had friends that were. We, he was a few years older than me, surfing, and we kind of. So we met over here, and he was like, "There's no cool menswear stores." And funny. Okay, rewind. When I first started working at Stab, I would just get made fun of about my shitty surf clothes the whole time, like my terrible style and shitty surf clothes, because Sam, if anyone knows Sam McIntosh, he's an extremely well-dressed guy, he's always got a pair of Gucci's or Balenciaga's on his feet, like, yeah. I, wow, he's one of those guys. You yeah. work for, I don't know, you don't get to talk. You guys sell $100 tees too, yeah. so, <laughs> so. But still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to wear the shit, man. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. if you want to fit in Venice, <laughs> yeah. you better look sleek. So, they're always teasing me, and like, that's how you just, like, kind of grow. Sorry. Does Sam come from money or no? No, he is the most self-made man. Like, but he has high taste. When, when, yeah, and he would always be high and low. Like, he'd be wearing like you know, a forty-dollar pair of like surf pants and then like expensive pair of shoes. Or always like, yeah, you know, have a nice jacket and you know, because he was hustling. He's in itemizing. He was basically living off the stab credit card. Like, he wasn't even paying himself for years. Dude, the stab high event. They that was that would have either if they hadn't pulled that off, it would have broken like the, the business would have been over yeah like he leveraged wow. himself to his eyeballs like people don't understand what he what he what he sacrificed he put to get it in. on the line yeah he put it and we'll get it we'll get into stab high and and wave pools and a, and a few but yeah we want to talk about so you you, you so yeah talking about gavin yeah so gavin yeah gavin so we dogan. met there yeah gavin dogan and and we served a bunch and he had just kind of sold his business and he had a you know this company called hybrid apparel which i think a lot of surf brands have he's they've licensed a lot of surf brands but they were doing like crazy shit like you know, every Marvel t-shirt you see, whether it's Spider-Man or whatever, the, you know, the franchises, they would make it. And they mm. would license Levi's, anything that Levi's that wasn't then and they'd make. And um, he had just been bought out and he was young and he was looking for kind of his next passion. And we were just like talking about, there wasn't a cool, like, menswear surf store in Venice. 
And Quicksilver had that crazy opportunity where there's now an Erewhon there, which is like called a Club Erewhon, which is an extremely, it's basically like Mothers, but double the price. Yeah. Or maybe mm. triple the price. It's ridiculous. Um, but they had this amazing space and they kind of lost it. Mollusk was doing a pretty cool job, but it was a bit like hippy-dippy for us. Like yeah, they're very, style. yeah, they, I mean, we talk about all the different subcultures within surfing and Mollusk definitely car- caters to that, like hipster mm. longboard, you know, kind yeah. of. $1,400 Tyler Warren board. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like, they've got a business and it's cool that there's a subculture like that, but it wasn't our style. Yeah. And we were like, let's start a menswear brand. And we started going and we were just working on this. Actually, my stab office was at this corner. And it was, it's funny, the windows were bought. It was this rad building in Venice. And the windows, this the, the African guy, he's the landlord on the building. He's like, you can just have it. Like, it's uninhabited right now. He's like, I need to redo it at one stage. Because it's literally just like concrete floors with like wow. dust and dirt. All the units. You guys score. So, the other units so a South done. African guy owns the building. Yeah. And then, did you know him? Or like So I just met him through Gav. Gav and him would become friends, just naturally okay. South Africans in Venice. Um, and so we're running Stab out of them. We've been talking about the shop idea. And it's sort of like, we've got this guy who's a designer. We all started hanging out and started talking more and more. And all of a sudden, this thing started caning over the ground and traction. And yeah. We had a name and we're going to trade shows and trying to get brands. And we had a concept what we thought at the time was cool. You know, like we were going to tra- like trade show and being like Levi's, like Levi's Man and Crafted, which is the yeah. premium. We always knew we wanted to be like slightly different. More, yeah, premium. Premium. Venice. You yeah. know, like okay, how do we be an elevated surf store? Yeah. You know, without saying surf store because surf had a bit of stink around it then. Yeah. You know? Um, and You didn't want to be pigeonholed. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Like, so we didn't want to. And then also Venice, you know, rent's not cheap and. That yeah. kind of thing. So we were working out of the space in Venice and it's actually where Abikini goes to PCH. The street changes name. Abikini is a popular street now that rent goes from like fifteen to twenty five dollars a square foot and Adidas is a store that pays eighty eight grand a month and it's just like they call them fuck boys and Yeezys, you know, that's like that's like the whole street now. <laughs> marketing. Amazing yeah, marketing. restaurants, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we were at the end and it changed the, the street changes name to Brooks and then you hit PCH or Pacific and it's on we were on the corner of this building and it was always just a stab office and we're kind of working there, working on our concept for general admission. And uh, we've seen like the foot traffic go back and forth because it was naturally the divider between the boardwalk and Abikini. And we're like, shit, what if we like you turn this? And opposite, the, across the road, we had a parking structure. Or just so it was parking empty lot. Yeah. So I, stab was there? So stab was there, that corner lot. Stab was where general admission is. Okay. And But Gavin was working there with me and we're working on this concept. And, um, Excuse me. And, and the uh, parking lot was was it was just parking was just for a, the tenants. It, yeah, is a parking lot with a billboard in it. Yeah, like, yeah. So that's it. Yeah, and there was a lot. Ralph owned that lot, and he was who's owns the building of General Mission Gosh, now. He's rich. Yeah, he was. <laughs> oh, he's he's gilded. I always tease people saying that I'm the brokest African I know in Los Angeles because <laughs> every other African I know is like, oh yeah, like this African friend of mine he started Monster or like this African guy he like owns like the studio. Oh, like what, what, when's my break gonna hit? <laughs> uh, I like serving too much, unfortunately. But uh, you and me both, yeah, no, <laughs> all three of us. Well, that's the, so I've got an article writing for Stab right now. I was meant to write this weekly one. It's kind of turned into like a bi-monthly one now. Uh, but it's about like surfing's antichrist is its north star. Like you know, surfing is all of. Oh, sorry, surfing is our north star. Yeah, yeah. And it's his own industry's antichrist. Like you employ a surfer, like if there's waves going on, his head is not near that ocean. No. I mean, not near the business. No. It's like focused on like, what am I missing out on? Well, and, and Instagram's been the demise of that. Yeah. You know, my hardest part was a stab when we were like getting busy and there just wasn't the time I had to surf anymore was 
go posting on Instagram because all of a sudden Instagram showed all the best ways from around the world in one feed. And yeah. you're like, so I'm blowing it. Every day I was getting fat, like working all day and you know, but anyway, yeah. but uh, we'll get back to that. So GA, so we we're just working there. We saw the natural foot traffic coming through. So we're like, what if we took this space? So we pushed through two buildings and we started general mission. We did like our first collection, which was a kind of menswear collection the kind of slightly like, well, we, our whole goal initially was like, how do we dress the surfer that's got like a proper job now? You know, it's kind of grown out of off the beach and yeah. kind of he's working with these. He can wear the clothing from the beach because at that stage, all of a sudden we started seeing surfers started caring about what they dressed like. Yeah. yeah. And you're seeing people subscribe to the lifestyle. So like they wanted to be a surfer where they were and they were not, you know? Yeah. Um, so we went and designed this kind of cool store and this cool collection and we launched that and we had a retail space and everyone told us, don't you retail? And we, this, we did an amazing deal with the guy who owned the building, we made him a partner and he gave us free rent for a few years to go and Damn. Yeah. Um, he was and the parking lot. But he was getting a percentage, lot. you know, so it's like yeah, he was invested. Bit. Yeah, he was invested and he, he's an amazing <laughs> guy and he genuinely just cared about like doing something cool. He's, an, he's a pitching artist, his name's Rolf Zimmern. And he was just like, yeah, guys, I'm running down with it. And anyway, we ended up pushing through the two other units and building up this whole shop. Yeah. And that was kind of the start of that. Yeah, I, I love that store. Yeah. Uh, Even though it's out of my price league. Yeah. 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 Well, I always joke to people there, like, I can't afford to stuff 50% off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's well, like the joke. Like, it, you know, it, as cheesy as it sounds, it was a Cirque boutique. It was mm. like you said, you're, you're catering to, I mean, there are so many rich, people that, like, we grew up surfing, people. poor surf, yeah. like, you know, grom. Rich, to, damn people. Rich, that, damn people that <laughs> surf, you know, where they, they spend hundreds of thousands on, you know, whatever golf clubs and, and, and you know, Absolutely. golf, uh, you know, I mean, Kelly's pool's a prime example, right? Well, 50 grand a day to rent and it's booked every day. Like, yeah, it's booked nonstop. Yeah. Like, yeah. so who's, there's yeah. people out there that can afford, because even if yeah. you only take, it's only has a hundred waves a day. You want the country club yeah. guy. 120, 120 waves, right? 120 16, waves 16. a day, but like you divide that by like 10 friends, only 12 waves each and that's yeah. park rent. Yeah. It's you crazy. Know, to go and ride for the day for 12 waves. But yeah. You, when you talk to these people, it's almost, it's worth it to them. For sure. Because, when, you know, you, 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 when you go on well, a proper surf trip to like the Mentawise, it takes you 20-something 20, 20 hours to get there. Yeah. It's, it, it's experience. It's the, you know, the setup, the, the, you know, the cameras, you know, like you, you get everything's, it's the full package, the yeah. food, you know, so it's, they did a really good job. Not yeah. that I've been there, just from what I've seen, by the way. Uh, I don't know how many... Podcast we're gonna go through where <laughs> Larson's talking about how he hasn't been to, invited to Kelly Slater's wave pool. Thanks, bro. Anyways, but um, I think the roof is just gonna invite you. Yeah, no, Pat doesn't like me yeah. anymore. Um, he's seen your house. He's like, he's yeah. making too much money. Yeah, but <laughs> t- talking about making money. Yeah, those guys. Uh, but the the experience and like you said, Lyndon, it's right there. You know, yeah. not too many people could go take a. Two two day or uh, two sorry two weeks off. It's the country club of surfing. Yeah, it's yeah. Augusta. Yeah, yeah. But you like you know, we did a funny interview. I've been was making a wave pool dock with a bunch of friends and uh, about kind of our relationship with technology and how it's changing us and through wave pools and the prism of surfing, um, and the fact that like, you know, we all live in this world of instant gratification and now you can push a button and get the best wave that's ever rolled through. <laughs> it's crazy right like I spent my entire life you know as a Searching dedicated surfer yeah. and as is Kelly Slater so he's probably got all the right to do this yeah 
uh, switching for the perfect wave. And now you can walk up, pay a ticket or book a day and push a button and get the perfect wave. Yeah. You know, and everyone has, you know, so waves are, you know, we all have a different impersonation of what a perfect wave is. Yeah. You know, for me, that's not a perfect wave. But, yeah. you know, in the, in, if you were going to draw a wave in school, yeah. it would be Kitty State that Wave Ranch, yeah. you know? I mean, you you grew up at J-Bay pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the best way? We didn't ask you where your best surf trip was, but... Um, J-Bay is like what I miss most about home. Durban's got incredible ways. People don't actually... If the surf world knew how good Durban was, they'd be there a lot more. Yeah. You don't see much of it. The coast and just the amount of waves around and the, how easy it is to be a surfer there. And it's tropical there, right? Tropical is warm. So like, yeah. I mean, you can surf in Borchardt all year round. You want It's got cold mornings because the wind will blow, but the water's still warm. Yeah. Um, Have you done Namibia? Yeah, I've been to Namibia. That's hardcore. That's that, like that, that wave yeah. is crazy. Because that's backhand for you, right? Yeah, it's actually. I struggled there. Like, it's hard to get in the tube. Like, those guys are ritzing in that you see them getting deep barrels in their backhand. That's incredible. Um, but it's it's the experience is insane. Like, you're on this beach and like the wave is like you literally catch one wave and you're two miles down the down the beach and you got to walk back up. Like, it's the long. You can't even see your friends. Like, you don't see people for like five hours at a time. <laughs> and then they call these things, these things that happen called dry runs, where you don't even catch a wave and you just get washed the entire point without wow. catching a wave because the current's so strong. Yeah. Yeah, it's like hardcore. Like, you know, people are like, has it been there forever and just finally so, got discovered or did so something know, get built and it affected the. I don't, so I don't know. I think, so I think the way the sand washed, it kind of formed like over time. But I remember there used to be this, so all the Namibian kids, they would come to do their, um, doctorate in south africa or their um what's what they call internship in that in that thing where they come and do their um apprentice, apprentice. yeah like their or intern yeah yeah the, the doctors would come there and they'd always come work in the hospitals in durban because the action was so crazy you know yeah like, oh residency be, residency that's yeah. it you'd be stitching up like axe wounds and like crazy stuff so we'd always meet these namibian surfers on that and i remember this one boogie boarder that lived in durban when i was living i'd moved to durban at that stage he would tell me about this crazy wave and, I was, and he's telling us all and we're like eh like he can't really boogie board like he probably doesn't know what he's talking yeah, about yeah and like hollow years, left for a boogie boarder for a mile <laughs> yeah a few years later Twiggy uh, or maybe a year or two I'd been to him maybe a couple of times and served some crazy mm-hmm. long left points but nothing like that yeah um, and I was actually funny I was like one bay over you know bay or two over like not even knowing one more over and you, yeah. you were in the spot. Yeah, probably. And funny. I think about those days when I was there and they were like big swollen, like perfect conditions. It probably would have been like yeah. that, that, That's That's kind of like uh, Selena Cruz for us. Like when we'd go down to Porto and, you know, the local guys <laughs> yeah. would be like, you know, oh, it's 15 foot and, you know, just... Back wait, close ma- Yeah, like that doesn't look fun. He's like, so we would drive, you know, two, three hours south. And show up to these point breaks that were like, you know, they said, oh, there's like six or eight of them around here, you know. And <laughs> we, at the time, there was no road and, you know, you'd have to like stop your, you know, suburban and then go, you know, wander and well, try to find it. And yeah, it was not as, not what it is today. Well, Selena Cruz is what saved me when I moved here. Yeah. Michael Thompson took Jordi and I down there. And this is the early days of Selena Cruz, like, you know, a bit after... The Billabong movie came out. What was that with Todd, Joel, and um, and Andy when they yeah. went there and scored, and or, you know, it was zero two later. So I would, became like I would just go down there four or five times. I still haven't been there. 
Really? I mean, you're goofy footed. Really good in Namibia. I love backhand uh, though. Oh, you do? Yeah. You ever, you ever do? I'd rather surf backhand. You ever do Mozambique? I've been to Mozambique. Mozambique's good. I haven't been to the way of where Jordi goes. Yeah. Um, it's a bit harder to get. Yeah. And it's a bit of a journey. But um, we're actually, Jordi and I were going there this year and then like the wind changed and the weather yeah. changed and there was that crazy cyclone that destroyed the place and devastated it. Um, so we didn't go, but that wave's incredible too. Yeah. What, what about, so I've been to South Africa quite a few times and used to, well, Durban was, you know, the, the surf city of, yeah. you know, they'd always have, whether it's Mr. Price or whatever. The Gunston. 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 Right? Yeah. Gunston. Whatever the, 500. Um, and then there, you know, there was the J Bay contest, but it was a two star as a qualifier mm-hmm. before they turned it into the, the, a world tour event. And you know, we would just go to J Bay just because there's J Bay and like, oh, there's a contest. Here. You know, let's do it. You know, it's a win win. Four guys out. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. It's oh cool. my gosh. No. Unbelievable. But uh, one year, and I love South Africa, I would go for a month, at least maybe six weeks, you know, because, you know, you contests were kind of split up between a few weeks, but, you know, we're there to do yeah. some video, photo, whatever. I, I became good friends with, um, you know, Van Lenup, and he's one of the best water photographers ever and Chris Van Lennon. Yeah. And we did a trip to the trans guy to coffee Bay. He's like, this is supposedly the best wave in South Africa when it's on. And, uh, we made the drive in a sketchy, I don't even know what kind of car. Yeah. And, um, BW bus probably. No, it was Bombi. like, we had surf racks. It was like a sedan, like yeah. super sketchy. And we didn't see a white person for like two weeks. Like, oh yeah, it's rude. Like rural. it was really rural, and we were staying on a you know grass like mud mud walls. Yeah, and what was it called? Uh, Coffee Bay, and the there there's this you know I think there's surf camps there now yeah, like and stuff. Yeah, big camp there now. We would you know there's a few different spots to surf. We didn't score it. It was just the the swell never got the right direction in, in anyways. But these uh, local kids. And he, to- he, he's been there, so he's like, hey, we're going to load up on, like, you know, coloring books and crayons and, you know, nail polish and lipstick. He's all go to the store and just buy a bunch of stuff because we give it out to all yeah. the locals. And it was the most coolest, even though we didn't score, it was, like, one of the coolest, like, road trips ever, you know? And we would show up and we'd, you know, oh, we've sucked today or whatever. So we'd, you know, play games and chill. And these, these local kids would come up every day and they'd go fish out, like, lobsters and and crabs and abalone and like all this seafood and they would come up and they we would exchange it for like crayons well crayons <laughs> and like uh like uh wafer cookies and like all kinds of like stuff yeah. like and, and of course some money and i have <laughs> pictures of like me holding probably like a like the craziest biggest lobsters ever that's awesome and they were so stoked and they you know that's what they do every day for yeah. for food and stuff and you know, we we're giving stuff, and it was a really, really cool trip. I think it was Saxon and Joe Curran on that trip. I'm not oh, that's cool. I want to say it was just us three. Yeah, yeah. Well, this uh, this interview is with Duma. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but I was just it made me reminisce about like we're talking about different waves in South Africa, and of course, you know, no, we the, always love to hear your path. stories, Lauren. Yeah. Thanks. You know, that's what I'm here for. But late, like, late night, night, Lauren, so talking yeah. about like Selena Cruz, you can jet down and not knowing there were coat waves on the coast. He's, he's right. Like, yeah. no one knew that, like, four hours from J-Bay, there were these crazy waves. Yeah. And, you know, a couple, you know, a couple hours from Durban because it was so uncharted. And then yeah. the other side of the trance guy is, like, 
is a very high chance you'll be knocked out of the water by a shark. You know? yeah. And yeah. if you get bit there, it's game over. Yeah. Well, Chris is, you know, Van Lip, he's definitely he a helicopter he, on the beach. He's yeah. swimming, so he's like, if I'm not swimming, you guys aren't surfing. And I'd swim, he'd swim in anything. Yeah, there but, you go. Um, where, that you, guy's got to be yeah. gnarly. Oh, so gnarly. Uh, do you do you feel like there's still waves in South Africa that are, have, like, not, like, um, exposed yet? Or, you uh, know? Up the West Coast, there's been a few. The boogie boarders have done, boogie boarders are, like, the most hardcore dudes yeah. everywhere. They just go, like, walk, they'll park the car as far as they can drive and then, walk up the coast and find slabs. And, yeah. Um, I think Slavrig is kind of tapped out. You know, fortunately, there's so much surf there and not that many, you know, not as many surfers. You don't really have there. to go, like, look for Yeah, something. and, like, if it's pumping, like, you know, you, like Durban. If Durban's firing and there's a good swell, like, New Pier, yeah. which is the main wave, is good. North Beach is good. Bay, Plenty is good. And Snake Bok is good. Yeah. And, like, and then the coasts are firing, too. Yeah. So there's, like, you can just surf down. Cape Rock's good. Exactly. Bolido. Yeah, Bolido's good. Rainbow um, Bay. So it hasn't, there hasn't been a need. I think finding waves comes out of like a necessity, you know? Like, yeah. It's overpopulated. Know, it's, the big it one was, was Mick Fanning fight with at the Snake, you know? Was that that Africa. right? Yeah. So that's in Africa somewhere. So Was that the one that he was trunking it? Yeah. So no way. That was South Africa? Not South Africa, but somewhere in Africa. Uh-huh. So, But I think the last frontier is Africa. Yeah, yeah. And like the last place to find waves. I know there's some like Guinea and like a couple places like that. Yeah. And there's obviously like, you know, um, the Arctic Circle, which some of our friends yeah. go to, which does seem very appealing. Not that good, yeah. Like it's novelty sesh. <laughs> um, basically, if you don't have like a wife and kids and a real job, you go, yeah. I wish. Um, so, going back, you went general mission. Uh, then what? So GA was like the ultimate crash course in like how to run a business. You know, I had stab in that, but I had a lot of guidance. And general mission, we were just figuring out. Gavin had like an incredible business background, but we were just figuring out like you know just trial and error. Like, oh, let's try to do this event. It worked. It this one wouldn't. So we were just kind of we we're just running and gunning the whole time. At that stage, I was getting too busy with GA. I was doing stab and general mission in the beginning, and then I was like, hey, I'm gonna step away from stab. Um, stab had been sold to the Surfstitch Group. Sam had moved over here. There really wasn't like, you know, he could have done it without me. He was the big show in a meeting, so he didn't really need me anymore and I was getting busy with GA. And at right around the time we started in general mission and I kind of moved away from Stab, I started managing Geordie. Mm. Um, George had so like, that didn't come until... About then. three years ago, yeah. So George had said to me a few times, like through, you know, just friends and that through the years, like, hey, like, you know, I need some help. Maybe, would you be interested in managing me? And at that stage did, I was Did he have a manager? He had had one or two through the years, but his dad, like, did most dad, of it. And his dad killed it. Like, you know, he, you know, he, there's been some mistakes along the way and that, but, like, his dad saved him, like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in management fees. Yeah. You know, he did it and he got him crazy deals. Like, it's amazing what, like, some surfboard shaver from Durban did. You yeah. Know? Some yeah. surfboard shaver surfer did it for him. Um, yeah. And, that and that I could was always, go either way. And too. Graham's always been like yeah. a second dad to me. He's always been kind of cautious. And, you know, having your friend's career somewhat in your hands is pretty nerve-wracking. And at that stage at Quicksilver, when you, we were originally talking, I wasn't quite ready for it. But after being with Stab and actually understanding how the industry works a lot more, I kind of thought, okay, okay, this is something I can do. Yeah. I understand what it takes to, yeah. how to kind of change the perception of somebody's image or whatever that be. You know, so the whole thing was like, okay, how do we... He had a few years left on his annual deal. How do we set him up for his annual Red Force main deals to get another big deal so I came on then um, managing is not something that I want to do and I think the service industry doesn't allow for it anymore you know when I was at Quicksilver I remember them just bitching about all like the management companies because they yeah. 
take everything off the table. So I try to kind of approach it as like an actual partnership versus like just pay my athlete a fortune to do the bare bones, you know, seeing what was going on with Dane, you know, and Ando, they were having Quicksilver having a nightmare. So I was like, okay, how do we kind of change that? Um, and Jordy was wouldn't do work, you know, he gets it done and he's yeah. doing signings and, he, you know, he, he might kick and scream yeah, the whole both, way there. Yeah, both sides of the, you know, that picture. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, He look. seems accessible and yeah. he seems like he he's a hard worker and, and wants to be... And you know what happened at Stab? Like, at Stab had some, like, super trendy, cool dude writers, like in Oz, and they were always, like, super critical of Jordy. Um, and then what, it was one year, one we on the North Shore, I couldn't go and had to go produce this piece with him with, I think, Trace. Remember the Trace company? The oh, yeah. thing on the board for Trace. They had sold him some content. And the guy phoned me, just like, oh, my God, like, I met Jordy's, this guy, Ali Klinkenberg, who was, like, hyper critical on him, and it was just so cool. And he was just like, dude, he, that is, like, the best person I've ever met. And they were all just, like, the craziest Jordy group. He was like, and then I figured out there was a disconnect going on between, like, you know, it's it's hard. The WSL, like, first of all, they've got somebody that's not qualified enough to be interviewing them. And then that mean, I mean, in that sense, I mean, like, it's So you watch NFL. I love NFL. I've got to love football. And or American football, yeah, American football. Yeah, not soccer. <laughs> I used to love soccer, but um, the Golden Sidelines will challenge some like quarterback or some like big three hundred pound like you know wide receiver or whatever, and she'll be like, "Why are you playing badly? Like you're doing a bad job. Like what's up? Like you're getting paid this." And she'll put him in a corner and challenge him, and then you generally get the best out of people. In yeah, but it's and what I figured out was it's because they're being they're being hired not by NFL they're being hired by the broadcast you yeah. know like NBC or Fox Sports or whatever it is yeah. whereas WSL it's hard for them to controversial sales because they're hired by yeah yeah, yeah and it's only by controversy it's yeah. just like putting you know putting these guys against the wall and asking them like if a guy's a bad heat and he falls on the final wave like why did you do that like why did you fall that's, it's actually unacceptable as a professional athlete to yeah. miss that opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what makes and breaks careers and anyway so George was I figured out there was a disconnect you know he's putting the Red Bull hat on getting asked the same questions you can only get the same kind of thing out of him yeah. so it's like how do we showcase his personality a bit more and who he actually is and because he's so awesome and everyone that I speak to and I, they're just like oh my god he's the most personal surfer I've ever met and I think the stab in the dark was a good one for that people were like after the stab in the dark with Geordie they were like generally like oh Geordie is a funny motherfucker like yeah. Yeah. he is like hilarious he's witty because he is he's witty he's sharp growing up in Durban those guys are quick you know like everyone's yeah. making fun of each other the whole time it's, yeah um, yeah, you get a different perspective, you yeah. know, than, than the tour surfer because Jordy is, a, you know, an elitist and he's going for a world, world title That's and it. all of his exposure is on the WSL, you know, so yeah. to get him out of that element and get a little bit more raw and personality yeah. is, is and well, it's, it's the success of what, you know, Stab's doing. It's, it's a bummer because the WSL is trying really hard to put out a mainstream product yeah. right mm-hmm. so they're doing everything to make it more mainstream right yeah so it's all pg pg <laughs> yeah that's, yeah unfortunately unfortunately in today's time it has to be you yeah. know to a certain level yeah i um I let's just let's met... just ask every surfer right now who misses bobby martinez on the tour yeah, not because exactly. he's one of the best surfers on the planet and he's raw and you don't know if he's gonna just you know Go off. It, yeah, go well, off. But the UFC have done the best job of this out of anyone. Dana White's got a famous quote that says, "Tell the story about the fighter, not about the fight." Yeah, you know, and that kind of thing. And yeah, then, selling a personality. And then yeah, Conor McGregor goes off and he throws a chair, a chair through a window, and that kind of thing. It's not a bad look on the UFC. It's a bad look on him. Yeah, the yeah. UFC slaps his hand, 
but it's not a bad look on the organization. I think the WSL are figuring that out. Um, yeah. That they have to let their surface personality showcase through a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, they're kind of putting them in a box right now. And that I met with that guy Eric Logan the other day. Mm. And that guy is, let me tell you, he is awesome. Cool. Like, yeah, and look, he's not like, and he's I'll have you know, yeah. Duma, sorry to cut you off. No, please. He follows Late Night with Chalky on he Instagram. He does? Hey, what? There you, go. you got that right. Yeah. Whoa. He, he's, We're on the up and up. He's the, exactly, he's, he could, like, I hope, I wish him all the success, and, but he's kind of at that stage, he knows it's like, shit, I'll get off the pot. You know, like, he's yeah. got go yeah. some big changes, he's got a cool vision for it. He gets it. Yeah. He understands, like, you know, at the end of the day, Sam and them at Stab have been writing a lot about this. Like, we all complain about a free broadcast, an amazing free broadcast, you know? Yeah. Um, Sam went and challenged the kind of status quo with the same Wait, say high. that again? Free broadcast? Yeah, we complain about an amazing service that we get for free. Yeah. We don't like it. Yeah. We complain about it. You know, that's, yeah. but that's human nature. It's all of us, you know? Yeah. How much would you pay for the broadcast a year? To watch. I would say maybe 10 to 15 bucks. An event? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't know for an event. Maybe for a subscription for the whole thing. $15? <laughs> for a whole year? For something that brings you like All right, hours 50 bucks. Hours. 50 bucks. Jeez, you cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheap. Yeah. I'm a cheap yeah, guy. Yeah. Wait, maybe more because like Netflix is how much now? Netflix? Yeah, for a month. 12 bucks a month. Yeah, so. 14 bucks a month. So yeah. probably something like that. So you, I would pay but, 10 But bucks see, to... that's the thing. Netflix is unlimited with multi... You know, you can watch so much other stuff besides surfing. Surfing is how many times a year? Okay, so... Right? Into Eric Logan, thank you. Um, Jay just bought me another yeah, beer. We got another beer. We're loosening them up. So yeah, here we go. You're about to get the good shit. So... <laughs> so... Okay, so... Eric's whole thing and this is why like the guy's a straight visionary and he's cool and he's just like he's so not what you expect from his Instagram and social yeah. media like he's just at this at the core of him he's just a nice person you know I think Chad's kind of brought that up I think he wrote an article about him yeah um, but he is awesome and I hope they're showcasing him a little bit more and he's a bit more in the face of it um, and he's the kind of guy like so for me the WSL has always been like too many chiefs not enough Indians yeah you know, yeah. not enough people to get their hands dirty. Like, the people that are getting their hands dirty WSL are working their ass off. Like, you see that those people can work. You know, their output is high. Um, and I think this guy gets his hands dirty. I, we'll see how it goes, yeah. but I believe he will. But his whole thing is 65 days of the year is an amazing event. Yeah. What? Okay, how do we... How do we... Monetize No, you know, no. Because it's, it's pretty hard to monetize surfing. And I think they've identified that. They've done this amazing world-class broadcast. And they still can't get the big dollars because surfing's are unpredictable. Yeah. Six days between the next bells, comp, the time, yeah. you know, it's going yeah. late into the night. Bubble, Weather nature. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 20 minutes without a guy riding a wave. There's only so much you can say about surfing before you start losing people. Yeah. But what about the rest? Like everything else in company surf, there's amazing stories. And that's what this guy is. He's a storyteller. So how they start telling like rad stories about surfing, you know? Yeah. And he's got some really cool ideas on a tell and kind of, you know, I think momentum it's generation. It's all in videos, him? No, so that was kind of as he came on. Okay. There was this guy, Evan Fontaine from Red Bull. And he had kind of pitched into the partnership with Tim Greenberg, this who is working directly under Eric. Um, to, like Tim grew their social media, WSLs, where, you know, like it or not, you know, I think he was challenged with how do we grow this thing? It's, you know, it's now bigger than NASCAR, NFLs, like, you yeah. know, it's, it's massive. Like, yeah. WSL has a huge presence online. Or digitally, 
So how do they kind of monetize that now and serve and probably narrow the focus now, now that it's been broad, like no one wants to watch like Russian chick surfing in heels. Yeah. You know, like my mom is on the internet watching that with her friends and like <laughs> sharing. That was funny. Like, like this. Inertia, that was so like, funny. Yeah. yeah. yeah Look like, at this. Yeah. But okay. Now we've got to kind of narrow the focus a little bit. And I think that's what he's coming to do. Yeah. Good storytelling. Well, there's no shortage of content. It's just, you know, gathering it and then, and then, you know, and cutting through all the, and cutting too yeah. much of it. There's yeah. The problem. yeah, there's too much of it. How do we sift through it? Like, what what makes you decide to listen to Late Night with Chucky of uh, Surf Lender? Oh, <laughs> well, that's because, easy. That's yeah, easy. Because these two yeah. guys can do it off the top. Yeah. Those two guys can't. Yeah. <laughs> and we serve Modelo's yeah. the whole podcast. So, so you're 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 also an agent. Okay. So yeah. So I manage Jordy and Mikey February. Um, when when really did you take on uh, Mikey February? Mikey would just always come. So Mikey grew up in the town, in the same town as me, and uh, he was a bit younger. But he would always come and stay, and like when he was in Venice, I'd always like, come stay a night or two and hang out and surf a little bit. And then I was just kind of helping him from the sidelines. He qualified, which was like crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we just didn't expect it. All of a sudden, he qualified one year. And we're like, yeah. holy shit! Like he had this great run, and there was all this energy around him. And so that's it's, it's crazy to me that his payday came after. Yeah. He fell off tour. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'll explain why. So, South Africa is generally, we're a bit more reserved and, you know, now, now with the internet, it's, you know, you, the access to information. So, we're yeah. all a bit more like, we're a bit more less like PC and that kind of thing. But you must remember, like, up until 1990s, you know, there was like no porn magazines around South Africa. You know, you know, you've heard the story about Rodriguez, like searching for Sugar Man, like, you know, he would have albums that would talk about, like, fuck the police, and they would scratch out the records. Like, Sabrick was very reserved growing up. So, huh. naturally... But you like can carry kind of, guns into the local bar and pub. They have a gun check. Here you go. No, not anymore, though, yeah. So, yeah. Like, so, yeah. But, yeah. But, so, naturally, we're a bit more reserved. Like, my gran, she would way rather me have a steady job at the bank, you know, going through right. the motions, getting out, yeah. all of a sudden I'm bank manager, then I'm branch, or whatever, you know. And that's, like, the mentality. So... That rolls over to everything else. Style. Now you're starting to see people with lots of flair and style and like that kind of African culture yeah. sides coming through. But in surfing too, everybody was always like top to bottom. Like I grew up was like, you got to just hit the lip as hard as you can. Performance, <laughs> like, you know, as many turns you can fill in a wave. And he, all of a sudden, this Mikey kid comes along and he's got this crazy style. Like, you know, he, when he was young, his arms are flying and he's just like missing sections and gliding and like, so we just didn't expect it. And that pendulum swung in surf yeah, and it swung to where like that was is like hey you don't have to actually hit every section and you can surf and draw your own lines yeah. and it became cool. Yeah, and super he, cool. Yeah, and he was there and you know you'd seen that with Ando, but Mikey went and qualified and now he's a free surfer and he's still doing a couple of comps and hopefully he gets well con to J Bay and yeah. he qualifies or whatever. But he did you ink that deal with for him? Well, well, I like was there, but he did a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's huge. Yeah, so Vans like for him to sign like with Vans International and there was like. You know, the Quicksilver guys were offering crazy deals at the end. And he he just, like, it was insane. I'm stoked. And yeah. since then, there's, like... We know, need servers big... like him on, you know, like... I know he probably got a lot of heat as a rookie and on tour and didn't really produce the results. And, we I mean, it's... A, we need the but, playing field to be diverse. But, and, but, but like you said, not just color, but style. And oh, style is insane. Well, I think, so, I think now if you requalified, they'd actually know how to judge him. I think when you qualified last year and served the yeah. tour last year, yeah. the back half of the year, when he got on tour, he was like an amateur young surfer that had qualified. Like now he's like 
a little bit more seasoned. Powerful. He's like he knows what, his lines are different. He knows how to like way to fit maneuvers. You know, he learned I think a lot in the last year. But also what it did was it legitimized him as a free surfer. Yeah. yeah. You know, like and you know, well, Dane was so great because he was on tour. Well, and, I uh, I noticed him the year that he qualified when he was surfing Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I was like. Because I, I was watching the, I think it was the sunset, whatever sunset contest it was, and it was big, and the dude was charging, you know, he, yeah, ripping. Yeah. I was yeah, like, wow, that, that dude's fucking pretty good. Well, well when, you, when, you, when you get on the CT and you don't make it out of many heats, you don't get that exposure. You get tentative. You know? Yeah. But, but not just people don't get to see, like, his real ability, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's where it comes I'm sure in. he was nervous that first. He was shitting himself. Like, all yeah. of a sudden, he's on tour. And he, you know how he kind of got on was he was one spot out, and then Mick retired. So he, oh, didn't, have right. that, he didn't even have that season to prepare. Mick surfed the first two events, and then he got into those first two as a wild card because he was the first guy out, and then Mick retired, and he got officially on. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he had a great year and he's 25 years old and he's kind of just, he was such a breath of fresh air for yeah. surfing. And then Bobby Hundreds did that crazy article that yeah. everyone kind of freaked out about the contra I mean, the, um, that was funny. That article. was kind of funny that, 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 that popped up on the radar and he made that much noise with that. Yeah. So. It's funny. The things that we gravitate towards and surf and hold on to, yeah. but like I remember reading the time and Mikey at that stage was like, Hey, can you actually proper help me? And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd be really stoked too. And we had a lot of fun, like, figuring out some stuff along the way. And we knew there was some good stuff coming. Yeah. Um, and I remember reading I haven't watched, like, this is a I weird haven't article. watched that edit yet. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, that's an idea that he'd been working on with some friends for a long time. It comes to come to life, I'll, I won't ruin it. But he basically goes to the wave where Mick went to. And he kind of gets into like the cultural side of it a little bit it's not much of him interacting with the culture but it's like so the whole thing is scored by live music yeah the guys actually playing set up like music that is regionally oh, relevant to that kind of that country and then playing it so and then just surfing these waves by himself and just he's tearing and literally not one of the person out it's, it's cool that's rad do you, do you feel like um if you're a marquee surfer you know from south africa australia u.s whatever like where do you feel you as you represent you know surfers and managing them is is america still like the focal point or is australia the focal point or like i mean for for example gabriel medina's from brazil he's obviously two-time world champion and rick curls a global brand they're based out of australia i would assume australia calls the shots yeah, or, I met. Yeah, I think for Ripcall, Australia could probably still depends call the on where they're based out of. Space, but I think the US is the focal point. You know, you've got to be here. Yeah, this yeah. is where it all happens. Mikey's going to be moving here and spending a lot more time. Like how many? I mean, how many surfers from Brazil, Australia, South Africa? Everybody lives, or at least has a home here. Yeah, Trestles. Yeah, exactly. And like to like justify. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like Felipe lives here. Yeah. And like he's probably so much more relevant to the US. I would say that. You know, whether. The U.S. market had to choose Gabriel yeah. or Felipe. They would choose Felipe. Yeah, yeah. They like him. He's more likable. Like he's yeah. just and just because they understand him and he's in the public eye more. You know, and the kids at Lois see Felipe and he has to talk to them and they tell their friends. Which, which is my second question to that is like now with the social media, how hard or easier versus it was when we were pros. You know, because to get print, you know, ads. You know, you had to be with one of the big brands that could afford the print. You know, now you could kind of self-promote yourself in a way that you could kind of climb the ranks or or, 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 or 
make herself more valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've seen this guy like Ben Gravy. I was just going to say Ben yeah. Gravy. Like he, he like, found a niche. Yeah. yeah, he found a niche and like Jamie O'Brien. Yeah. yeah, we want both of those guys on our show. Yeah, you'll get them. Get yeah. them together. Like, yeah. you know, Jamie, he's, you know, he basically, he's like, he created, he, he almost kind of, to me, he did. On the search side a, of it, he the, was the first the, Yeah, the vlogger. first vlogger, yeah. And what he also did was he went and backed himself and he was doing with Red Bull initially. And he went and like, you know, flipped it over into his own YouTube. And now his YouTube is bigger than theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or Red Bull Surfing, you know. Yeah. Pretty amazing what he did. And you got uh, Ben Gravy, who's just... Just some guy, like... Funniest, you know, personality that yeah. surfs good. Yeah. He's a good, I, I'm always surprised. Like, I forget how good he surfs yeah. sometimes when I actually see him on a normal board. Yeah. Or yeah. Something <laughs> and, yeah, I don't see I don't see anybody in today's age trying to, you know, make a, a, a living or a name in... in surfing it's any easier if, if anything it's more difficult but you have more opportunity the way you yeah, can like market but, yourself and yeah. not rely on you know magazines with a, with a, a certain brand that has that buying power yeah you know for sure it, it's a it's an interesting time for a pro surfer yeah and our industry in general but like I, how how it sustains itself but i think it's, you got like sorry to keep no going. it's all right but you got you know like you know Ben Gravy, Jamie O'Brien, even Kalani Rob. Yeah, that dude's still relevant. But but these know? guys aren't. They're they're they don't they didn't go to school in marketing. They didn't go to school in in editing and how to like. Yeah. You know they it's all organic. Like they are like well they're living the life. Well they are living the life, but they're they're like well if I want to really do this, I got to invest my time on how to edit. I got to learn how to like upload, you know, to different sites. I got, you know, like everybody's their own little manager, which I think is going to really help them in the long term if they decide to parlay that into something else. But you know, I mean, look at this guy. I know. Yeah. Duma's pretty much what you're talking about yeah, from being well, a surfer. You know, I was going to get to that. To, I just didn't want to him right here. Like uh, yeah. blogging. <laughs> and then now he's, he's an agent. Bit, I mean, but hey, if there's a master's tour, can you like vote me in? Like, you know, as like in, injury wild card, Eric Logan, <laughs> Jay Lawson, and Vince. Uh, which, like, uh, what was that? What, good times, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Any of those. Loose change, I don't two know. minutes 40 on good times, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, you know who was original at that? Dion Ages. Yes. Yeah, Dion, dude, Dion edited his own stuff, shot his own stuff, yeah. made his own clothes, designed his own collection, and then Dane. Yeah, you, people don't understand that Dan Reynolds edits every video that they watch. Yeah, you know he yeah, got Marine Layer people. Productions is his yeah. deal. They didn't, editing, and then he would sell it to Quicksilver, have them invest into like promoting, yeah. you know, and, and you know. Jordan's the same. Florence, like yeah. Dan, like these guys have been have to become like you know, kind of Swiss Army knives where they can do it all and figure it out. And Jamie's done it, Ben Gravy, like which, which is amazing because I mean the, the the stigma of surfers were like oh they're just dumb people and they just want to surf and you know they, it's these are really smart professional yeah. people that are you know working. Well, we've for talked about this a lot. Like pr- the top professional athletes, they're fucking pretty. They're geniuses. They're you sure, know they all have to You're be. Kelly Slater, you know they're real articulate. Like Aaron Rodgers, like quarterbacks. Most quarterbacks are. MBAs, yeah, you know, the like of plays you got to learn and the yeah. different like situations yeah. to be able to do that in the high pressure situations. Yeah. But going back to like, okay, so I I did this whole surf stakeout my business now. That's what we do: consumer insights and strategy. And we go in with a bit of a hypothesis every time. That's what we think surfing is, and we did one around surf, and we do other sports and that too. Let me ask you again: so 
Do you have a, a business name? Yeah, so my business is called Free Radicals. Free Radicals. Yeah, I have a partner. He had a big agency in Venice for a long time. He's actually the first guy that gave Stab an office space. His name's Chad White. Um, and that's how we met, but I never took it up with him. And his son worked in my store in general mission. And then we just were like, figuring out, hey, we should do this. There's a bit of a gap in the market for it. Anyway, we did that one. We were talking, you know, we went into this hypothesis and we interviewed these people. A bunch of surfers, you know, and then we did a whole bunch of like, so we do when we would take people away and ask them a bunch of questions. And then we'll do intercepts where we just interview people in the water and talk to them. And this is what an energy drink brand. You know, one of the big things that came out of uh, one of the insights that we got from this weekend away was surfing breeds entrepreneurship. Because what happens is because surfers, because we get so crazy for surfing, we have to figure out how to adjust our lifestyle accordingly. You know, so we want, we don't want to ever move anywhere where there's no waves. So we we figured out okay how do I how do I do I open a coffee shop that's near this beach where I like to live or do I open a little cafe and yeah. surfers are generally pretty entrepreneurial because they have to be to be able to surf yeah you know because figure out how to make it work when yeah. there's waves you need to be able to drop it all and go you know yeah. like you got your van like you Jay oh. does his Jay has his collection in his van he can go up there do a show and get some waves quick or you know if there's surf yeah. coming. I, I, and you can answer this better than me, but you probably adjust your whole life accordingly and your whole schedule. And it, we've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business owners that obviously the theme of our show is surf. And, you know, the, the, the highlight this week is Earthpack and same thing. He's like, my dad was a big fan of the Baja 1000. So he wanted to create a way to that, that he could go watch and be part a participant or you know sponsor and how, how could he how can he parlay his business model into having fun exactly yeah. that, and, right. and 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 so if you're a surfer your whole mindset is how do i spend more time in the water yeah you know and 100 percent. and, and what do i need to do to make that happen <laughs> so we're very creative for sure absolutely and we don't yeah. get credit for it because we've got that stigma of spicoli yeah Smoke weed. On, yeah, but now, and also what you're seeing now too, you go surf, and Venice is a good example because it's kind of like creative, cultural hub, uh, maybe it's not anymore, but whatever you want to call it, you you be in the water and they'll be like, oh, this guy's a crazy chef at this restaurant, yeah. and this guy's a rad artist, oh, yeah. this guy edits it like Vice Media, and this guy does this, and like, yeah. you know, I think that, actually he's done, and we always go back to it because I'm so close to it, but Stab have done the Stab Culture Shifters, where they've like, you know, the guy Morgan... Colette, he's from Newport yeah, Beach, yeah. started Saturdays, you know, which JP. is like a big, a big fashion brand. Then yeah. you've got like Jake Bogart, who's like the DP of Vice, like everything you watch on HBO is shot by this guy that's surfing. Like, oh, I've become friends with him and he lives in Topanga and he, he literally would take a surfboard to like Liberia where he'd be shooting like the drug lords, like murdering people and then he'd like, out there. just literally getting a taxi to some, he's got the craziest stories and there's that's all so these awesome. surfers with these rad stories. Because Hook us up. Yeah, hundred percent. He'd be a yeah. great one. Yeah, way smaller than me and way more. We're networking, you guys. It's all how it works. Yeah, that's it. That's where networkers. And he'd like awesome random dude in town and be like, get a taxi here and just rock up and be like, I hope there's waves. Yeah, that is mind blowing. I mean, that's what's. I mean, again, when we we started talking about this podcast, and you know, of course, we. It's my idea. Yeah. 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 Oh, he hit me up. He's well, on his podcast. It is late night with Chucky. Yeah, I don't, it's see, I don't see Jay on there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, see his face, but yeah. I don't see his name. Yeah. But, but it's, um, you know, it's about surf culture and about, yeah. you know, promoting core surf. And, you know, the more we talk to people, you know, the more, you know, crossover you see of everybody 
really wanting that core side of, of how to figure out to how do we keep surfing yeah how do we keep surfing and how do we keep surfing more yeah well, that's and, a whole lot and that and that's in right? every aspect of every you know whether you're in you know actual surf industry or you're not but you you know you surf and everybody says the same thing like yeah. All they want to do is figure out how to surf more yeah. and go on more trips and yeah. go this, you know, which is, which is amazing. Business for us is a means to an end, right? Yeah. So yeah. we can just surf more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're rich in, you know, uh, memories. Me- yeah. I was just going to say, like, you <laughs> know, experiences, uh, yeah, and but, memories. but yeah, like my whole, like, you know, if I won the lottery tomorrow and made hundred million dollars. I'd you go surf and pay off my house. I buy a lot more surfboards and I go more surfers. My friends. Yes, sir. Nothing else would change. I buy a jet ski and a truck. Yeah, um, and that'd be me. Do you like big waves? I mean, I'm like a medium wave surfer. Okay. Yeah, so like big waves is beyond big. Well, now, what's yeah. medium? Because you're six four. Lyndon's five. I, I don't even want to say it, yeah. but five but, four and a half. Whoa! Yeah. Don't forget the half. Whoa! Yeah. But you know, everybody's scale is a little different. Uh like I, I mean, now, uh, like I like. You know, if Ocean Beach is pumping, I'll surf it. Or, you know, Totos. I'll go surf Totos and shoulder hop a few. But not yeah. like what's going on now. It's, it's crazy, right? It's beyond. It's actually fucking stupid. It's crazy. And I don't know if it's the inflation or what it, what it is, but... Whatever, it's cool. It is cool. It's, it's good for the sport. And I mean, I mean genuinely, these guys, and I, I don't know all of them, but when I, when I grew up, the guys that charged, and I mean, I, like, I would try to hold my own, but... They're just a different person. Yeah, it's all you know, and and it wasn't nobody pressuring them. They're like, there's nobody around, and I'm gonna go paddle out all by myself to no middle of nowhere, and this is awesome. They're, they they were super psyched. Yeah, I can't. They're genuine watermen now. Like it was yeah. crazy. But they love. They they're excited. Like if you're like gonna get a free front of the line pass at you know Magic Mountain at the front of the you know front <laughs> ride front seat. Yeah. That 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 kind of excitement. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you ever get comfortable in those well, some, situations. Somebody's got to die soon when these WSOP weapons. Like, it just can't keep... These guys are Greg Long and then packing closeouts and Twiggy. I mean, Twiggy's wave that one rider of the year didn't make it this year, yeah. but probably the craziest wave in Palo. Crazy. Out. They're like... Crazy. This is just not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they... I mean... Cause just listening to them, they're they, they're they're scared, but that is what drives. That's their life. That's what yeah. drives them. See and that no money. I I will surf HB and get pounded. Right, like let's say it's six foot day, a solid six foot day. Duck dive a wave. The the wave explodes on you. You let you you know the board gets shook. The wave shakes the board out of your hands, and. I'm underwater trying to find which way is up and that's it. Like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> that's on yeah. a six foot Huntington day and these guys are but there's, there's dude 70 surfing, foot whatever. There's dudes surfing Nazarene shit that I guarantee you are less fit than you. That's yeah. like what boggles the mind. Yeah. Really and I talk about this all the time. It's, it's, like, it's, it's 90, so it's, it's gotta be 90% head, head. Mind. I don't. I yeah. I don't even. It's yeah. yeah. It's got to be. It's all mind. Yeah. Obviously, fitness helps and gives you that edge. Cause yeah. You can, you're com- I, more confident. And when I think you know the turnaround time between waves is quicker if you have a beat down. You know, like if you're gonna compete, you've got to be insanely fit. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so we we you know wave pools are part of the surf scene now. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of different types of wave pool technology and stuff like. 
Have you experienced them all or most of them? Or Yeah. Um, I've been lucky. I've got to surf Kelly's. I've got to surf Waco. Dick. Yeah. Waco's yeah. awesome, right? Waco's insane. Yeah. So, like, to me... Okay. And I'll say this. So, a few friends and I started making a wave full dock about kind of the different technologies and people. And I was telling Lyndon earlier while you were getting us beers that... Uh, Fuck. I yeah, missed, missed out. <laughs> but basically... I got your beers like, out. How take that exactly? That's... Where it's going to lead to this great conversation. Uh, how technology is kind of changing our relationship yeah. with Mother Nature now. And I think surfing is the purest form of like connecting with Mother Nature. Most of them being a hike. When you're on a wave, there's, you know, Timothy Leary, the mad acid scientist, talked a lot about it. But we started making this doc about, first of all, there's a couple of things going on. There's a bit of an arms race going on with these technologies. Yeah. Surfing as an industry has got like, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit of a crash going on there's not much money financially in it to spare yeah but there's these guys putting in like 10s 20s 30s 40s 50s million dollars into these technologies to build these things you know how many of them are actually scalable and monetizable we don't know yeah. yet we'll see how many of them can sustain yeah and there's also this great race for the olympics right surfing's gonna be in the olympics the first time yeah same time pool big we, money in the olympics we figured out that kelly's pool is not a monetizable solution it's just too much land Versus, you know, they're 44 million in there, 50 grand a day, a lot of days. Yeah. Running costs are expensive. Waco, Texas is, to me personally, is the best so far. Um, it's And Texas is like the closest thing to surfing because you're actually riding left to right. Yeah. But then you've got Tom Lockfeld, you've got these guys in the Wave Garden, uh, you've got all these different guys coming up. So the pool's a weird one. Like, yeah. Put it this way. And I, this is just me personally. Like, and maybe it's because I've got to experience it. But if someone invited me tomorrow to go to Kelly's pool, and I've been like I've surfed it twice, or got a couple waves, one or day, Waco, two couple corners. Wave garden. If someone invited me tomorrow to drive up to there to Lamore to go, and I had half a day there, I wouldn't do it. Really? If I had, if I could take all the homies with, and we could, like, it would be. There's no better place to have a bachelor party of friends or go right. for a day and surf and drink yeah. and the, and like you were talking about earlier, the the lockers and everything. But like, ugh, I'd rather honestly surf. Three foot onto HB. Then that. Texas, what? I would go for a weekend because it's it's sick. Like, yeah. And you're catching, there's so many waves. You know, you've got 160 uh, waves breaking of an, an hour versus yeah. 120 waves in a day. Yeah. So there's that difference. Depends, yeah. depends on the wave setup. But um, when I, I experienced Waco and I was like, wow. Because I did the... Um, inland. Inland. Austin. And it's similar to, you know, Kelly's wave pool with the, you know, the way the train things sledge um but the waco i was like if they were to do this on a scale three times the size it would be a game changer well i think they're doing one in virginia right that one's gonna have so i think the one in waco's got 14 pumps yeah i think the one in i think it's virginia or north carolina anyway 28 pumps so double the scale double the size so they and they can make it as as big a body of water they can do so they've got a very cool story that the husband and wife who started Perfect Swall and American Wave Machines, they both, uh, both aerospace engineers, kind of rolled it over. They kind of designed with a, under a kind of different, what you know. So they they build everything to like size to scale, you know. Yeah. So they know they can they can make their way fifty foot if they had the size, space, and volume because of what their technology is. And yeah, we talked to the owners at Waco, and they're like, "Well, this is our, the, the the spot we had. This was as big as we could allot that wave." That's pool. it. So and so there's one in Virginia Beach coming. There's that, and then I think there's a few more, but you should see the one. So we went out part of one of the scenes that we shot with them actually was out at the Meadowlands. 
Middlelands. Um, so Middlelands is a huge facility. It's like there's hundreds of millions close to maybe a billion or two going into it. It's right by the Giant Stadium in New York. You can see New York City. Oh. So it's, um, New Jersey. And they're building this crazy water theme park there. And it's all Disney themed. So like there's a crazy Shrek slide. It's basically like Magic Mountain, but slides. So and it's kids Disneyland? Com- yeah, it's not, but it's completely indoor. Um, all it's, glass it's, around it. It's multi-family friendly, yeah. not just surfer, but that's going to be part of this. They've been scene. building it for like, I guess, 10 years or so. You know, billions have gone into it. Anyway, they've got the wave for there. Hmm. In the wake, and it's not it's not quite as big as Waco's one. It's a few... And, um, but Waco technology? Short. The same. So it's American Wave Machines people who went and interviewed got them. It. So to see the technology going somewhere like that kind of scale is pretty cool. Yeah. Like you could have, like, you know, hopefully Stab has a stab higher there with the guys like, yeah, yeah. you know, doing like, you know, Chipper Wilson boosting with like New York City skyline in the foreground. Yeah. Well, I, 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 tell, I tell everybody just like I'm a big fan of snowboarding and a big fan of skateboarding and I, I mean, and surfing those three are, you know, the epitome of like action sports, you know, like everybody, it, it is so beautiful to watch they're they're like they're ballerinas the stuff they're doing flips it's acrobatics it's it's just style it's everything and if they could package like those wave pools in some you know metropolitan areas like vegas like are you kidding me like why isn't there a killer wave pool you fly in you know the top areas you know aerialists and you do it around some restaurants people having cocktails like it would be Insane. I, I think it'll get to that. I think it'll insane. Um, what about uh, Kalani's wave pool? Oh, I just saw a photo of the guy doing an air. Is it, um, it's already. Yeah, so they're already producing the waves. Air from there, like yesterday or the day before. So I think they're producing waves already. So that's what Tom Lockfelt. Tom Lockfelt is the guy who invented the Florida. Yeah. Which Durbin had a big Florida back in the day. Yeah, those are the ones that you ride, yeah. kind of like a skimboard or wakeboard looking board yeah kind of stand anyway and you break your color brown yeah, on it's the most dangerous thing in the world but tom's <laughs> a me. mad scientist so he's got that one so i believe that's his one okay we'll see i don't know how it look and look you know I, from what i believe i think it's pretty similar to waco in that sense um and then there's i mean the big one is greg weber's one still and then, oh, the pump no no so greg weber's is the the circle or the oval that keeps running round and round and round. I thought huh. Kelly was going to try to do that. The, the ring. Yeah, so that was originally with Kelly and yeah. I think they went their separate ways and yeah. different visions or whatever. I don't know. Well, I'm not going to tell you the intricacies of what I believe that is. Yeah. Because you'll wait for buy the movie on Fortnite. That, well, that'll be in part uh, part two <laughs> yeah. with Duma. Uh, uh, and maybe... Once you guys got like, 100 million subscribers yeah. and I can come on here and promote our film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you've also got these guys from um, The Pump. You know what's it yeah. called? Yeah. Um, Aki's Aki's one yeah, yeah. Chucky's yeah. one yeah uh, <laughs> the IG Aki yeah so those guys are about to they've just fixed theirs and you're going to see the next like round two yeah. of theirs and I think you'll see a lot more scale a lot more size it'll be a lot more impressive so yeah. is this documentary in the in the works yeah so we've shot a bunch we've done a bunch of interviews we've spoken to people like you know one of the cool interviews we did was with Yvonne Chenard yeah uh, from Patagonia yeah. talking to him about his views on it and you know he, awesome. he's, he talked to Jerry writing it and then kind of compared it to his experience with climbing because rock climbing is so big and that's kind of where he started uh, Fernando Aguirre from who got serving into the Olympics from the ISA yeah. spoke to him a lot about it and he's like a pretty animated so we've been doing we, Dane we had a great interview with Dane Reynolds about it so we've been interviewing a lot of people like you know we'll talk to 
Elon Musk was about it, but what? because because here's what happens is as energy costs go down, the cost of reduced waves will become cheaper. Yeah. Currently, Kelly's is X amount, you know, currently Kelly's I think is a hundred times more expensive than Waco's want to pump a wave, you know, because it takes it's taken up so much more energy. energy. So as energy costs go down, so will the cost of these pools, which we're able to monetize it better. So we'll talk to Elon about you know the kind of cost of energy and producing where it kind of wow. sees the biggest opportunity coming. Is it like lithium batteries running these things you know yeah. what you know what is solar this? batteries yeah that would be you know the goal uh oh sorry i sold up but um and then all these kind of different interesting people that surround we interviewed william finnegan and um bill finnegan who wrote that really controversial article in the new york times so we had a great interview with him oh yeah he wrote the one about katie's pool yeah yeah, yeah. um so we went to new york and interviewed him and he's he wrote for barbarian day so he's the i can never say it the pool surprise the Paul Lutz. Yeah, Paul I never read it. It? Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. book. You should read it. He And let me tell you, I had, like, you know, you build up these kind of expectations of who people are and these ideas of, you know, they, how they will be. And he was polar opposite. He's just like, I mean, he's an award-winning writer. He's written about, he's actually really well known for writing about the African apartheid and spending time there and that kind of thing. And he's won awards for that and whatever. But he's just like a hardcore surfer. Wow. All, like, he's like, New York snowing, he's going down a surf like pumping New wow, Jersey. That's cool. See, Lennon, we're onto something, dude. We're gonna get all these cool people. Eventually. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> you will. If you can just keep it together. Whoa, bro. we just started. Yeah, just <laughs> you know, like, keep it together. We're, we're killing, killing. We're killing. out the kinks, bro. Use, yeah, just lining out the kinks. We're lying. No, this is there's no kinks. This, yeah. is, this is how we roll, man. It's awesome. <laughs> so who edits it? I do. You do? Yeah. Oh, good man. So yeah. you put some time behind that thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jay's got it's not that hard, though. More. He does the investigative journalist. Yeah. 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 And I do the editing. Cool. Yeah. And I do the Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So He's witty. It's a good team. Yeah. Yeah. He never collaborates. He just posts. And then I'm like, well, I could have chimed in a sentence over there. No, I just... I don't need that. You yeah. know, if you, if, you, if you don't have to do the social media, let him have it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. So Duma... From pro surfer to blogger to retailer, retailer to agent, manager, manager. Yeah, now to, to doc fucking film. Yeah, so that's so content is my passion. Um, as our agency initially, we tried to start with Chad and I. Chad had a creative agency where we're like, we want to stay away from the creative side. But I keep getting sucked back into that. So been working a lot with Jeep, doing some like spots for them. Some of the ones with W Salt coming out, you'll see those are the ones that we made. Um, Sorry to, to interrupt, but not not I surf adventure. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we didn't make that. Just for the record, we didn't make that one. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what what did you you were doing Airbnb stuff? Yeah, so I was right. I was this coaching guy does for everything. A bit. We were coaching for a little bit. I was coaching with Stead. So, like, I still coach in the morning sometimes on the sides. Yeah. Really? Well, that's my surf trip money. I just bought a house. So, like, I coach. You need everything. I coach up in LA and. Groms? No. No, no I don't guys, deal with parents. Guys, like, guys that are wealthy, skipping like, the gym. Super wealthy dudes that want to live oh. on surf for, like, an absurd amount of money. Okay. Yeah. Ciao, uh, Frank Corona. Not yeah. coach, yeah. but more like. <laughs> I hope none of them. Yeah. I can cut that out if you want. I can cut that out if you want. No, we haven't cut anything. This is just, we roll uh, how it so, is. So, Stead's and I, yeah. So, he, I mean, Stead's coaching kids, like Luke Stedman. Yeah. He's a good buddy from up there. So, Stead's Is, is he coaching. living here? He's in Venice, yeah. Oh. So, he's coaching, like, young kids that are doing well. I just, I don't have the time for that. But, yeah. uh, 
So I've got a bunch of clients that I work with and a couple of surf trips down. I take, you know, Costa Rica, take them away for you, surfing for the week. You, you mean like, hey, I want to go somewhere good and then you hop on the trip. Yeah, you? that was the plan originally. <laughs> but then I took the one guy and the waves were too good and kind of backfired. Yeah. I was just like feeling guilty about surfing. Well, not for a week. So I, I saw the WSL commercials and, and it was like Airbnb, Airbnb. Yeah. So they kind of approached us with that, and that was the first time I went to the way for Steads and I. They were like, hey, use Airbnb or get all these bookings, like, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, these people are making this much money. And it kind of fell a bit flat on its face. Oh. We did a few, but, like, WSL were taking 20%, Airbnb were taking 20%. Uh, so it came, like, it became down to, like, hey, just DM me and just, like, pay me on the side cash. I'll give it to you for cheaper. So, <laughs> yeah. that. so it was cool for a second, but, like, it didn't quite work. Um but it's just all word of mouth there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could, I could honestly like, I mean, he does, he's stairs is crazy busy, but I could coach every morning if I wanted to up there. Yeah. I just generally like, if there's waves up surfing, if not, I'll try coaching you know, seven in the morning till eight thirty. Yeah. Um, but it allows me to keep buying surfboards cause that's what I love doing. Buying yeah. Expensive side, I mean, and, it's and all about the side hustle, trips. right? Yeah. Yeah. I figured like, you know, I figured out at one stage about a year ago, I was like, ah, that's pretty selfish. Like I'm married now. Like I've been with my wife almost 10 years and, been married for four and I was like what I do is like spend like all this money on surf trips and, yeah you know I work my ass off on that too but I was yeah. like yeah I should try to do something that offsets it and that's kind of where the surf lessons came and I was like okay, if I can charge $250 an hour Damn. The surf lessons yeah that's the price of business up there cost of doing business Damn. Wow. Yeah. I'm moving to LA yeah, <laughs> the late night with chalky surf coaches <laughs> hey my in-laws live in Malibu dude I can just post up at oh that's where most of our clients from don't come over yeah. there yeah. Anthony Petruzzo might try to find you yeah. oh sure. yeah. is he doing that too Petruzzo does it he kills it I mean he does them all up there nice like there's a real opportunity in this you know that's the other thing you know you but people respect about. and they want like real yeah people that, that under, authentic yeah. and well, reputable my like I was always a subpar surfer, but I had great like wave knowledge. Like I always knew how to position myself and get good waves. So I go I take a guy surfing Malibu or Topanga or something like that and he'd go out there normally and have a shocker and he can kinda of get up and ride sideways and he'd have a shocker, get out of position. Yeah. Not even get dropped in on, but he just wouldn't be able to position himself and get one wave. You know, these guys are like businessmen. Yeah. You know, like they want to get their money's worth. They want to catch a lot of waves. They go, so they've got two hours to spare. They want to get some waves. Like yeah. they go out surfing with me, and I get them like five bombs. Like, yeah. go and laugh, fake right, yeah. and then you yeah. just like, yeah, exactly. Oh, I just know how to position them better than the rest of the pack, yeah. and then they're getting an assist yeah. from the side. You know, like yeah. it's funny. I call hey. it pushing the kids. I call it assisting the adults because they get all that kind money. of assist is priceless. Exactly, is. you gotta charge more. Well, you got you got, Con- <laughs> you got Connolly and them on the skis down in. Um, so, uh, Pasquale is charging like six, seven hundred dollars. Wow! Oh my God. For like an hour or two, yeah. So stepping guys off into the waves of their lives. Yeah, you, gas is really expensive down there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the beers are really <laughs> expensive down there. So uh, surf coach, yeah, agent. dude, we gotta hang out more. Yeah, shit. Um, <laughs> and I, you've been living in Huntington for how long? For about four or five months now. Okay. So shit, I, I wish, I wish. We would have connected sooner. I know. I've been spending too much time on that 405 because unfortunately most of my work's still up there. But uh, Boo. I forget how much how much better the surface down here. It's it is. It's, I mean, I don't surf up north that much. I actually hadn't surfed like El Porto in decades. And I finally surfed it last, this past year, like January, February, just because it was like shitty on side shore south wind yeah. here 
and it's offshore, offshore up there, right? It's up there. Yeah, and it was actually really good. So. Yeah, so that's the only time it's worth driving north. Yeah, and yeah. as you go to San Francisco. But I got a question for you guys, because as I don't know if you've told them that you work at Unknown, you're yeah. at yeah. Unknown. Obviously, oh, you guys yeah, like yeah. JJ does Ruka. What for you is the future for surf on the retail front of clothing? Like for you guys, what are you guys seeing and the brands wise? Like, do you think Quicksilver and these Bulamon guys are going to have this pendulum swing back to them where they're going to have the kind of success they once had? Or is those days over? You know, Jay, you, sorry, you're with Ruka, which is like a brand that's managed to reinvent itself and stay cool and relevant. Like, it's incredible what Patton and you guys have done there. I don't know, it's obviously just getting going and, you know, trying to be slightly more elevated. Yeah. yeah. Um,. I, you know, to be honest, I, I think surf will always be strong in core as long as they're reinvesting like the marketing in supporting those retailers. But where those brands, speaking of the legacy or heritage brands like the Billabong Quicksilvers, you know, a lot of their money came from the big box stores, which has really digressed because of just that mall based, you know, shopper. And those are the ones that have kind of moved on to either corporate retail or online direct. So I think core is still has a lot of opportunity as far as like, you know, annual revenue. I don't know if they'll ever get to where they were. No. Okay. But, but for you as a but, Ruka. But, but I feel, I feel like it's, you know, core retail is never going to go away. And I feel like the mainstream has kind of moved where they do the shopping, but the core, you know, as long as they reinvest that money and time and marketing and in in support those guys, I think the core will still be strong. And what about for you as a rep though? Like somebody comes to you because you'll you make money off the clothes that you yeah. sell, and I guess that's the challenge, right? Because yeah. if somebody like okay, Target don't sell the brands or whatever, but like use them as one of those big box super. If these retailers came to you and they're like, we're we gonna write you like fifty million dollars of orders a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the companies have gone down that avenue and, and anytime they, they, they see an opportunity where that, that money might be sweet for the first you know, year, two, three, five year plan, it all comes down to the, the longevity of what the owners want to do. You know, it seems like most of the, the brands that are successful today are investing in the youth and the new generation and they're, they're, they're looking to stay relevant and have long term and then there's a lot of new brands that were just looking to get rich quick and you know it was uncool to sell to like a, a Tilly's or a Zoomies or a PacSun until like year seven ten maybe even longer you'd hold out as long as you could to not upset the core and kind of give you that second propulsion and now those brands are going straight to them or selling direct and then they're kind of like backstepping okay well how do we get back in the court you know or they're just like hey i'm only in this for three to five years so yeah it all comes down to i think the you know trends if you're riding a trend then you're on the three year plan if that, if yeah. that you yeah. know now it's even crazy if you're you're looking for a lifestyle or longevity and really invest into that culture then i think you're gonna you know you're gonna have to really be selective and have that kind of more organic slow growth and what about you because i don't know it's obviously been met with some controversy because it's the price point and yeah. you know for for us that general mission i don't know was one of our best brands we had in there like we i mean it was, the venice clientele we killed it's it. a brand that was made for general admission yeah. in venice beach and then and then they've like you know they've kind of managed to 
through growth yeah. and scale, bring their price point down, and cater yeah. to the surf market a lot bit, a lot yeah. more. So, I I don't know how to answer that question because I feel like what we have looked at in the past will it ever happen? Will it ever, you know, will surfing be that big again? And it's so it's so hard to say because everything comes back around, right? So like see this, the the shift is the the pendulum is swinging back to surfing. Yeah, yeah. it's going to skate. It's going to come back a little bit. But you, is it going to hit the big guys, or is it going to be the niche guys? Yeah, yeah. and I, and I think I think people are getting smarter in in like okay like heritage brands, right? In the grand scheme of things, when we say a surfing heritage brand, it's fairly still pretty new, right? Yeah. And I mean, Quicksilver's been around since the '70s, right? Billabong probably around the same time, right? Like, really, they're they're surfing's heritage brands, but they're not like heritage. Like Levi's has been around since the 1800s, yeah. right? So, but in the grand scheme of things of surfing, it it's our heritage brands. Yeah. And what will keep them relevant is authenticity for every brand like for anything in any industry your niche is your niche and your authenticity is your niche what is authenticity these days though to me yeah i mean if you're living the like, life what does authenticity mean to, i don't know uh i mean okay i'm putting you on the spot so i'll help you obviously no i love it is, i love i love having this discussion consumerism is product and organic I'm, and yeah i mean we have the insight because we're or insider kind of but i think kelly wants to be the surf patagonia yeah you know i mean and and, and not just that it's just like when you're the 11 time world champion the best in the world right off the bat you, you already have that authenticity play but then the stuff that we're producing and, and the manner of which we produce it, that makes us authentic in in the sustainable. But what sucks, you guys are just talking about how cheap surfers are. Yeah. And you you said you wouldn't spend more than fifty dollars a year on the web cost. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So so it comes full pendulum. So like yeah. essentially yeah. his entire audience base and Kelly obviously transcends surf, but his core followers yeah. and the people that will go out and buy something when he says yeah. are cheap. I'm a cheap guy because I come from nothing. You know what I mean? So I, I come from the Philippines, right? A third world country, but grew up here and Yeah, he eats cartilage and skin and like <laughs> anything like you know, where I'm like chicken breast, white meat, he's like, no, that's a ripoff. You know what I mean? Like I I'm pretty frugal when it comes to like getting what I need and want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll I'll do whatever I can to find a connection, a hookup to either Get it for free. Well, you're such a good salesman. Yeah. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's brand message message and being authentic is you know executing the product and the the at, at that level of your price you know whatever your price point is whatever your like game change like obviously outer known is high price point recycled and you know they they you know less footprint and yeah. give one percent back and I, I there's a cost for, that goes with that message so absolutely honestly know. like you know i i worked at hunting surf and sport i worked at another surf shop before that i was there for 12 years at hunting surf sport that's where pretty much i learned everything 
that I know about business, right? And I've worked for multiple brands, like a, a lot of other brands, and the trajectory for each brand has been like this, right? And and the business, you know, strategy or model or whatever you want to call it, the the philosophy was to grow and get out, yeah. right? Grow and get out. That's a, that, and that's that goes and back that's to the brand owners on what they project. And I, you know, I started at Ruka with only five of us or six. I was like this, you know, I was from the beginning, and I just remember Pat saying, "I want to be the." Tommy Hill figure of surfing. And that's not in a bad way. It was just he knew his his end game was not just to like get rich quick in five years and then, you know, cash out and do something else. It was like, I wanna be what I wanna be Bill Bond, Quicksilver O'Neill, gotcha, I wanna be everybody yeah. all at once. Well, yeah. I've got I got to hang with Pet a few and yeah. as you know, like time with Pet is pretty like special and he always like leaves you oh. wanting more. You're, I want to hang out with Pat more. Yeah. But, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were just talking about, you know, kind of clothing and fashion yeah. and kind of everything that revolves around the surfing right now. And he was telling me his whole thing was like, I tell my reps to go down to the place that are selling our product. Oh, not our reps, sorry, our designers. Yeah. And actually look at the people that are wearing our product and design for them. Yeah. Stop going to the unions yeah. and these cool hip stores yeah. with general mission, whatever it is, and like yeah. looking at what those people are wearing because they're not buying the product. Yeah. yeah. Let's look at these people. Like we're not going to design some like four hundred dollars shirt. We're going to design yeah. a bitch in sixty dollars shirt. Well, I mean, it, I mean, in the last ten years, you look at brands that are really successful, and it's and with how quick, you know, des- you know, trend changes or whatever, and it's hard to be everything. So the most successful brands have been like. Nixon watches like what's your specialty we're watch you know stance we're socks you know like whatever it's like a you know slow time. it's a towel so it's like you, you 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 could find focus, the white space you could focus on something find your niche. yeah find your niche yeah. and you know pat's like i wanted to be this like apparel brand that's elevating the quality but you know we're not just surf we're not just skate we're not just like you know like action sports i want to have like killer good fabrics and you know, he's into sport, you know, which is, you know, well, MMA, jiu-jitsu. marry it all together? Is it I mean, high-end art, yeah. jiu-jitsu, And then it's being and then the authentic. Art. Yeah. And like, he he lives and breathes that MMA shit. Like, everybody, everybody like, on his, like, fast dial, skate. I'm sure, is all the artists. You know, it could be, you know... A, a chef, you know, it could give be, him my number, dude. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Anyways, it just like I said, I'm not trying to hype it, but it it comes back to you know being different, yeah. you know, but also being true to that like yeah. subculture. Like I think, I think in any now. any yeah. business slash, I think authenticity is yeah. the word that really keeps you relevant. Yeah, you know, and like. Surf retail and mom and pop retail. I mean, I love it. I lived it, and and I that's who we you know that's our livelihood. And I think and feel and see when you have somebody that's running that retail, you know, managing it well, and 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 really focusing and like. There's really adapting. They're really successful. Yeah. Sure. There's but, really know? successful accounts out there right now, but as an industry, it's sluggish and there's not a not, lot of newness. And and people are copying going, everything. Going back to what I was saying, like what we know 
now it's going to be different in yeah. five years. You know, Instagram might not be the thing that we all hover around, right? I hope not. You know, I'm like done with it, though. me too. Like uh, I mean, no, I'm not because away, actually. right now it's like it's really, so important. It's, it's important, but, and it's cool because but you, you know can't what I mean? up, like you can't pick Amazon, up right? It's the biggest monster that's yeah. kind of yeah. taking over everything. But I mean, when you look back in in, in history, like. You know, Sears and Roebuck, right? Montgomery Wars, J.C. Penney, like everything has its day in the sun. You know, some things have it a longer lifespan, yeah. and and some things don't. But like I said, if if you're authentic, Levi's. If you're Coca Cola, authentic. You know what I mean? I think Ray there's Ban. but what it, yeah. but Ray Bans. I think. But what do those companies do? That's what it comes down to: is reinvesting and reinventing themselves, not changing their identity, but just appealing to that next generation yeah. they're like okay we've had the last five generations buying our product the grandfather the dad the son yeah how are we going to make sure that Nike. that that kids that don't even know our label or what it means yeah. and stuff how are you going to you know so it's all about reinventing yourself but without changing your identity and like, there's been brands in our industry that have flip-flopped and there's brands that just said you know what we're just going to stay true to surf and you know we don't care if we make any more than X amount of dollars and that's what we're going to be. And then you got brands that are like, they, they don't see a ceiling, you know? It's like, well, you know, Nike is like a prime example of a brand that wants their cake and eat it too, right? Uh, I think a lot of big corporations want the cradle to grave market, yeah. right? Of course. From, from infants to fucking grandpas. Yeah. And, and Nike is definitely... A brand that is like that right but they weren't always and you can't you and can't, they weren't always you can't come out like out of the gates like that you got to kind of slowly expand into those yeah. like other demographics yeah and, and you know the reason why I brought up Nike is like skateboarding right when when skateboarding in the 90s and 2000s like and Nike was like oh shit there's a market there that we need to get into not because of the money, but because of the next generation of... Right. It's death. a youth market. Youth market. Right? And because of the money. I mean... Oh, come on, dude. They shit out more money in... Tol in totally. In golf and, but, and, and basketball than the whole skate but scene. I read an article. Yeah. At one point in time, and this is a long time ago, it's probably more now, the action sports industry was like a $2 billion industry. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you think about a brand like Nike who wants to be part of everything, right? Like that whole time that Nike wasn't part of the skate industry, right? Let's say it's 15 years, right? Where they were yeah. not in skate shops or action sports shops, right? Like when I'm talking not just the mom and pop, but like your Zoomies, your Tillies, your PacSun, the $2 billion industry, right? Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, here's Nike. Like, what the fuck? Like we're missing out on the cradle of the grave thing on all these... Because at one point in time, yeah. you know, that same article, it, it said that in the U.S. alone, there was something like 11 point whatever million skateboarders, like, you know, skateboarders, 11 point something million, right? So you think about that, right? Like, let's say they could capture, let's say that one, one skateboarder out of that million spends like six to 700 bucks in skate shoes. Right for the year. Yep. Buys four or five pairs of shoes a year. 
Multiply that by the 11 million, right? And multiply that by 15 years. Yeah. That's a lot of money not oh, for to be sure. part of. No, and like I said, this action sports in regards to them is super insignificant, but it's still super important. Yeah. You know? Because they're, yeah. you know, the cradle to grave thing. Because well, that, that, what you said earlier, it's like what you are introduced to you're gonna, you're gonna be at a young um, age. You have an affiliation for yeah, it. Yeah, for the rest the of your life. Experience is good from a good memory of the so, experience. So they get their niche. Nike gets their niche into, you know, sponsoring the best athletes in the industry, creating, you know, signature product or whatever. The stores buy into it. There's limited production, but the end consumer that keeps coming in the stores wants the runners, wants the classics, wants everything. So they get their foot in the door doing this. You know, exclusivity, this yeah. kind of cool product to create that demand. Else is cool. But, you know, just like, you know, Levi's, everybody's like, dude, I just want a classic 501s or a 511 or whatever. Well, so, yeah. And the, and the but, industry. Dude, but, but that's. I mean, do you remember when Vans was not cool? Since I've been. Since I. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, 15 years ago, it probably wasn't cool. Yeah. yeah when, when I was working at Airwalk was here. Yeah. Vans was so, here. So yeah. Cool. You know, yeah, when, I was working at, uh, when I was working at. When I was working at DVS. When I was working at DVS. DVS was number one in the core market for like fucking six, the whole time I was there. They should have sold. For six years. They should have. <laughs> they had their chance to. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but it's, it's, but nice. I mean, you know, to answer your question, like I see a long future still in, in, in surf, in surf. For sure. Know? I think that there's uh, enough participants and enough, good retail out there that, yeah. that will help, you know. Yeah, the brands need to give the consumer a reason to care about them. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it's going back to what we started with. Going I just hope there's not a, a... junior contest. Yeah. yeah. Contest. I just hope there's not a disconnect between their Learners. return on investments at the top level, whether it's, you know, your your premier, you know, um, marquee athlete to sponsor in that one contest a year because that eats up your entire, like, budget. And I hope they diversify where their marketing dollars go and they really you know spin that along the youth and that yeah. kind of like middle middle man you know middle yeah. uh yeah. tier yeah. because like you said it is very important that your local hero your local community and everybody's getting a piece of that like action and feeling a part of something bigger you know which is well, that's it. It's which is inspiration yeah inspiration. What, what's crazy is like how easy sometimes the uh growth is that it happens you know it's like stupid luck yeah oh that's all i mean it's positioning and timing right yeah it is so and that's in every industry and every we, product we, like it it's all about we yeah. talked about this uh I, I forget which podcast but like you know surfing has gone like this right action sports has gone like this up and down up and down and it's funny when you look at like what the tipping points were certain at certain times of, of the growth, yeah. it's really because of the mass media, right? Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, we were talking about like when Endless Summer came out back in the day, right? Was, that was a huge fucking, you know, the original Endless Summer, Mike Hinson, Robert August. Yeah. That made everybody want to be surfers because those dudes were cool as fuck. And they traveled the, the world surfing perfect waves. It made everybody 
That's the start of being a nomadic surfer right there. My dad took me to watch In the Summer 2 on the big screen. Yeah. There and you go. watching TJ Barron surf a wave at seven years old, I was six. I was like, now I really want to surf. Yeah. yeah. You know, that and, was and like a huge push. For that's me. another like high point in, in the surf yeah. industry. Katie stayed at Baywatch. You know, that oh thing, my like, God. took it to a whole other yeah. level too. There's this hunk and, that was a world champion. But you know, even in, in between then, you had, you know, the, the beach blanket bingo. Yeah. Uh, Gidget, you know, ride, ride the wild surf or whatever. But you're bringing up all these like valid like points, which are hugely important to the the industry and the history. But it's it's supporting like the Jamie O'Briens that yeah contest surfers. Yeah. It's it's supporting you know brands that aren't you know in the mainstream, and it's not just the WSL. It's it's everything. Yeah. So yeah. it's you know there's not just one one but philosophy. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying what the the spikes are in in the mainstream. Part oh, for of sure. It, right. And 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 most anybody that surfs, they're not just surfers. We all snowboard. We all skate. Yeah. Some might mountain bike. Some might climb. Ping pong. Some yeah, ping ping pong. Play ping pong. But Duma? Huh? No. So I mean, it, I can, but I'm it's not, not a seasonal sport. But you're still competing against a lot of other like. We play ping pong. I've got we nine jobs. I'm just trying to yeah. <laughs> keep them all. Yeah. Keep. I've got a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just going back to no, you're right. Every, you know, you're competing against a lot of other industries and outdoor sports, and it's, you know, how how does surfing stay not just relevant but appealing when you know the idea, the conditions aren't ideal or the the it's not you know what, hyped what, up. What brand do you think is the biggest surf brand right now? What brand do I think is the biggest I'll, I'll surf fucking brand? punch you right now, yeah. dude. You better... <laughs> I'm the biggest or the best? <laughs> I think... The biggest. Biggest. I'm just talking volume. Non... I mean, there's like... Non-crossover. No. The, just the... I'm saying biggest surf probably like OP and like Walmart or something that's yeah, doing I've, like the biggest volume or like Masabo or like one of them that was like the original. Yeah, you, know, you know what I think the biggest surf brand is right now? What? It's Patagonia. Yeah, Patagonia, Hollister... Hollister's yeah. probably the biggest surf brand in the world. Yeah. Probably. I think Hollister's probably not as big as it store, used to be. And there's the surf line came of Huntington Beach in North Carolina. Yeah. We're huge behind it. I was like, that's almost better. They're almost doing a better job than their own surf stores are doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's and like sad. merchandising what people's idea of surf is. Yeah. You walk in, you can see Huntington Beach in North yeah. Carolina. Yeah. With waves break in the background. You're like, how much more? It's, a, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Sure. It's funny, you know, PacSun I mean, made your, their your life... Boy, uh, selling the California dream, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're more, I mean, yeah. generally nowadays, these non-endemic brands have been able to do surf better than surf can do surf. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they're culture vultures. They're just yeah. grabbing the best parts of it. But I think like going back to it, I think authenticity is what is going to keep you there. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question for you. Another goddamn question. Should, should Kano Igarashi, who's local, the local hero here, Surfer Japan or US? No, no, no. He's if I was him, I'd also be doing the Japanese thing, and he is authentic. Yeah. Like his parents speak Japanese, yeah, speak Japanese sure. at home. Embrace your culture. But should he ride for Uniglo or Quicksilver? You know, Uniglo offering him a lot more money, but it's like some brand that's just accessing him because he's in the Olympics and X Y Z, and it's wow. a huge transaction. Quicksilver or is he is he? But he's gonna make. He can get. Well, there's rumors of that. So. Is this a Dubas rumor? It is. Uh, uh, you, you heard it here first. We got Lindy, you got to edit it to tonight and upload it now. Yeah. <laughs> but should he take five times the amount from Uniglo or 
stay true to Quicksilver, which is surf industry. And Take the money! Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Jordy was faced with this in his career. Yeah. The Hurley and the Nike. This is was the Nike yeah. or the surf you know, you know, if if they could take the money now in, and then reinvest it at some point down the line to where, I mean, as an individual or maybe he's going to start his own company or he's going to give back or whatever. You know, it all depends on the, the person. Like, but... You know about Gucci and yeah. the Vuitton? God, did you see that? <laughs> that I would, I, I, that's, that's on Gucci? Uh, he did what? The the surf one? Oh, it was terrible, yeah. I, some people I know liked it. I was just like, oh, Jesus. I, I can't believe it. I mean, that's a... That's <laughs> a I mean... But that's... that's that's pop culture now. It's, yeah. just, it's culture vultures. It's like yeah. grabbing like elements everybody else's yeah. stuff. Skates. Culture yeah. vultures. Skates has been, skateboarding has been vultured the worst and butchered the worst of anything. You yeah. Know? I mean, Supreme is a prime example. Like the yeah. pure volume they do these days because of cultures like decided that they're cool. Yeah. You know? Hey, we don't have time to talk skate right now, dude. Yeah. We've been in here for two hours and yeah, 47 minutes and wow. I, got, I got a piece. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. You want uh, to... <laughs> Stop or pause or do you want to? I don't know. End it. I, I, it's up to you guys. I've uh, I can talk till the sun comes. I up. know. Me too. Well, let's yeah. let's uh, let's take well, a pause and then wrap come it back up. To it. Okay. Hey, listeners, pausing. We're pausing. Yeah. We're going to go. All right. We just are back from our pee break and um. Yeah, we're back. Beers. Cheers. Okay, what were we talking about? We prog- oh, about progressing from Modelo to Jakarta to uh. Corona Premium. Um, no, we were talking just about authenticity, authenticity and brands, and, brands and, and the future of surfing. Yeah, and just kind very of, hard questions to answer. Yeah, and then, well, then, if we had a crystal ball, we'd all be you know a designer. Exactly, and that's kind of I think that's what our industry is ch- faced with right now, and it's probably why it's in a bit of disarray because we have actually been asking ourselves those questions. Yeah, you know, what does surf look like in ten years? What do we want it to look like? You know, Ruka is one of the ones that stayed as authentic as anyone, and what Pat's done is incredible. And how he's managed to sell out the wrong word, but sell the business and stay authentic is crazy. Yeah, you know, he the execs he's dealing with must be insane, and how he's managed to navigate that. But then Vistla. You know, they come on and Porno Day is like, he actually shaped me a surfboard the other day, like a crazy asymmetric. No way. Actually, and he, he shaped it in his back of his house. He glassed it, sanded it. He gave me a board from start to finish. And people don't know that story. But he's also sponsoring contests on the ground level, junior pro. Oh, yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. So yeah, he, he understands. I he's like, been in the industry for a long time. I, Paula D, I have so much respect for what he's done and like the ISA what he keeps involvement. Yeah. yeah, he is a badass dude. Like yeah. I, I never knew until recently he's been helping me just personally a little bit, like just through trying to navigate what I actually want yeah. to do and stuff like that. But you, every time I've talked to him, I'm like Jesus, dude, like yeah. how do you a wealth. Yeah. yeah, but but there's so wealth there's, of knowledge. There's and all experience. those people in surf, and those those people, those are the people that need to have the right brands. Yeah, you know, I think Dane's trying to do his thing with former. Yeah, yeah, talking about former, like you know, he's trying to do that whole back to the rider owned and operated, you know, which starting. is yeah. Again, it I love of, it. I hope he's successful. I hope, and, and I think there's room for all these yeah brands to be successful. Whether you're you know the, you know, the Billabong, Quicksilver's, Hurley's, Rip Curl to the Rukas, which is a little bit more crossover to owner operator. You know, like there's I, room for everybody. I hope these non-authentic, trendy brands that pop up name them. Just kidding. Anti-anti-social club. Yeah. That that bummed me out. The last thing there. 
Right? I mean, that guy Nick looked like, hey, he's some supreme guy. I mean, he was a Stussy dude back in the day, yeah. and like he's like doing stuff, but he doesn't. Like, he just that, created something that, yeah, it's that got on Kanye, right? Yeah, it's like and that, that whole, that's, you know, there's no actual thoughtful design behind it. It's just like, it's just hype, mindless bullshit, you know? And yeah. then, it kind of bummed me out, like he just acts as lost. And I guess, you know, it's actually ties back into lost as what it is as a brand, like perfectly, just like no rules, just doing their own thing, which, yeah. yeah. So I kind of get it. But when I saw that, I was like, oh man, this is, yeah. this is a bummer. Yeah. And I, and I hope that, you know, I, I just don't see brands like that that start on the internet without any authenticity but this guy's doing like you know he's doing like a million bucks in a weekend on a drop like, i totally downtown. i like, totally of that, of that is like probably 750 grand margin you yeah know? like he's making literally champion hoodies that cost yeah. a couple bucks yeah different and selling for 120 bucks yeah but i don't think he's going to be around in five years but no but if you make he's already kind of made money, yeah cares? he's already killed it yeah i, I mean, just don't think brands that are fabricated um Without any kind of substance or uh, to back. Me, well, with today, with the with the media and social media, and, I mean, you know, with, there's there's no sugar coat. And like people could read through the bullshit really quick. For sure, but yeah. surfing almost needs like a governing body again, like what SEMA once was. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, this is you know, if you're a surf store, you've got to, you know, it's your own business. So you don't have to adhere to anybody's rules, but let's support those brands that are supporting us. And yeah. unfortunately, now with like Jacks HSS, like as a young brand, you and I was talking to Sean Stussy, I was interviewing him for this piece that I'm doing for Stab coming up. Right. But, you know, he was talking about like, you know, that Quicksilver wall at Jack's or HSS, wherever it is in the big, the big retailers. Yeah. There's no chance for a young brand to take that wall. Nope. Because these guys have them on those like net 90 day terms and they're just cycling product in and out of there and the constant debt is anywhere from, you know, like yeah. 250 to a million bucks, yeah. like that kind of thing. It's just, it's basically, they've just gone them forever. Yeah. And yeah. it's just that cycle. And as a new young brand, you got like kind of you four might. or five hangers on the corner you there. Might, like yeah. how do you stand to ever grow? Yeah, you're so lost. therefore they will never be a hundred million dollar surf brand again. Yeah. Which is a which is fine because surf doesn't have to be that big. Yeah. Um, but it's also the bummer too, because how do we reallocate those dollars to the ground level and yeah. the foundation I think, again? I think though there's there's always room for a new brand that means something. Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? If it's a great brand, those those that's what surf shops do. You know, they yeah. curate the next generation. Like, there's a lot, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's going to take you forever to get to that level of a Quicksilver Billabong in in Jack's and HSS. But, you know, if you're a good brand like Ruka, you're going to get that. You're going to earn your space, right? Your Volcom, like, you're going to earn your space. But here's, here's, okay, let me challenge you with this because oh, you're man, not another fucking challenge from this guy. But you're, <laughs> you're, you guys, you're talking about Kelly Slade, 11 time world champions power. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. absolutely. Like, he is, if anyone, if no one knows one thing about serving, then who Kelly Slater is. Where's his wall at Jackson HSS? Because I'm going to make a lot of products that could fill up a couple of walls. But no, I was going through the wait, product wait, page wait, the other what, day. What did you why, say? Why does why don't know, we have? Why why is I don't know not being supported? Why is the best surfer of all time, we, of, of all sports? First of all, not being supported. <laughs> we got a picture first of all, here. First of all, we are getting supported. Second I of know all, supporting, but like on that level, I like a Quicksilver wall should be waxed for Kelly Slater or a bit of whatever a wall that's not doing great. 
that well. That should be swipe, Kivi Stata. What part but, of the store do you want? It's yours. Totally. And and but we've been given a chance, right? They have brought us in, and we're selling decent for them, right? And sometimes we sell better. But the grand scheme of it, though, is we're not priced at the right level to be in that surf shop. You know what I mean? Or the, or you don't have the the depth of the collection to, to take up that but, like but, square footage. But they do now. Like you're looking, I don't know. And that's a, there's a lot of product in that thing, and that makes no totally. But yeah. we're still higher priced for sure than because when you talk Huntington Surfing Sport and and Jacks, it's a little bit. It's more a, it's of a thrifty shopper. It's, it's not the yeah, you know. It's more of like tourist yeah. and like. I agree, yeah. Because like in other places, uh, say your Hobie or or uh, Proof Lab up in San Francisco, we fucking kill it. Like, you know what I mean? So, but in in, in Jack's Corona Del Mar, okay. we kill. Shout out to the guys at Proof Lab because those we guys love them. are killing oh. it. Like I, I yeah. went there a few months ago, and that is that is what a surf store to me when I was a young kid. I remember, yeah. you know, like. They, go, they were closed for inventory and we like knocked with me at booties and they didn't know who we were and like we knocked on the door and like some guy let us in and then he was like uh, the, all the registers are closed but like we'll figure it out like yeah. you know we, like we left something we gave him enough money like kind of not even to cover the booties like we'll yeah. figure it out later like just go yeah. you, went, you went up to San Francisco without booties? I had shame yeah, on you guys didn't so. <laughs> our buddies didn't no but I mean there's and you know what I don't want to I want to sell in places that we can sell. You know what I mean? They have to have the clientele. For right? Sure. So, they have the clientele. But, but they're, and I'm just, we're, as a brand, figuring that out. Like, we know, we're starting to figure out our strengths and where I need to push and where... But, but there's yeah. value surf brands, there's premium surf brands, and there's, the, you know, the bulk. Yeah. And, and, you, you know, the, you just got to find your niche. And But here's a challenge, though. And I just use it on because I'm so close to it. And, oh, we're know, all. Yeah. Thought, but... How do you... Fucker. But you're answering to the Kieran Group, same as they're answering to Oak Tree Capital. If Pat sells... All we're not, we're like not this, part of the Kieran Group anymore. Not anymore? No. Oh, you heard it here first. Yeah. Oh, for a long, for a long time. Okay, well, you heard it here first. Yeah. So who's funding it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but eventually that person turns up the tap because yeah. there has to be profit. So how does yeah. it grow to that scale? To be able to justifiable business, I mean, there's a reason the carrying group is not involved anymore, right? Uh, yeah, but I I think it's outer known is is doing well enough oh, on sure. its own, and you no, know. It doesn't have to happen overnight. It can be a legacy brand, yeah. like a, a Patagonia or a yeah. North Face. Like, yeah, I and, believe it. And that's kind of the trajectory we're we're looking for. Cool, right? So, and that I'm crossing my fingers, right? That the philosophy and and vision vision is for really good you know endemic business and non-endemic direct cons- well, yeah, direct, well, direct d- yeah that's sorry that's what yeah. i heard they were doing that yeah it's it's i mean it's tough it's all about the funding God, and keeping fucking the bus- put me on the spot and, and keeping the business alive and, and unfortunately <laughs> companies and businesses have to make really tough decisions based on like that funding you yep. know and sometimes it's opening up distribution that you're not. I'm gonna have to cut that to part do. of the. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> and and, it is. It's, no, it's, and and then so you know again it comes back to like, you know. When you're growing, you need more money. 
Well, and you could be doing really well, but when you're growing, you need more money. Um, but it, it, you know, you need like-minded investors sure. that have your vision. Yeah. And as well, soon as you cross, that yeah. and as soon as you cross that line, and you're not answering to like-minded, then you're in a world. You're. In I mean, a you're closer to it than I am. Uh, for sure, I am. You I'm are. That's that kind of that area. Yeah. So, so you know who the players are and who pretty much owns Outer Known. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think they're really looking to make a brand more elevated. Elevated. And because there's a market for it. Yeah. Yes, I when I spoke to Kelly early on when he's doing Outer Known and you know for a store like General Mission it was the perfect brand. We we're actually selling hundred dollar T-shirts. But then he was getting all the heat, and you could see the Instagram and the social media was pretty apparent that people were like furious. And he had a good point to me. He was like, why would we go and he's like, you know, and hum, like a humble brag, but like I could go, I'm the greatest surfer of all time, one of the greatest athletes, I could go into Jets and I could say, guys, wax is Quicksilver Wall. I'm going up here. We're putting in my new, you know, my new brand that's like price point going to be competitive. Yeah. And they would do it yeah. because of who he is. But he's like, but what if I can not harm their business and create a product that's kind of elevated and takes serving to a new audience. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. What you for for sure. And I mean, it's about finding your niche and, and the most successful brands. Like I said, I, I, I threw out a few in the last like 10 years that are successful. It's like, where is there a void? Where is there something that we could execute to the best without like diverse, you know, like spreading ourselves so thin that we're not like in it. People or, or just cannibalizing well, another brand. Right? For sure. You know, and yeah, I mean, do you, you don't need, do you want to be 10 surf? brands that sell t-shirts for, do you want to be bucks? action sports? Do you want to be lifestyle? Do you want to be like, I mean, there, it, it all comes down to the initiatives and the, and like the vision of yeah. like the, the creators. And I think surfers as like a crew, cause I think skaters are good like this is they true to who they, to their brand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think surfers have gone like a bit the other way. You know, I'm probably a victim of that too now bit older and yeah. have my own brand and that now I'm like you know I buy the brands like I see something I like from Ruka I actually have those same pants I love them. Uh, Dane's former an unknown tea because I'm like those are the brands that are going to help surfing in the long run Yeah. versus like buying a palace tea yeah. or something that doesn't actually do anything for our yeah. sport or our culture yeah it's it's rare to to have that consumer that is head to toe a certain brand that you know they're, they're embracing are, the yeah. culture and they're like like you just said like oh these pants from so and so is killer super cool and I'm not going to get frowned upon because I'm wearing this brand's pants and this shirt. It's, yeah. it's more, you know, inclusive. I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's, what's cool. Cause I mean, as a brand and you know, for working for Ruka and when I hear from shop owners and managers and buyers yeah. or whatever that, Hey, when a, a consumer comes in they're just not buying one piece from you, they're buying like two or three which shows the strength of like the marketing and the brand, but everybody has that niche product. Not everybody, but that's what they strive for. They're like, well, if we could just do this one bottle yeah. opener Let's or something, and we could do this one like zipper, you know, Velcro list, yeah, you know, everybody's like, looking for that niche. Absolutely. You know? What is their, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't be the identity of your brand. No, you know, that should just be an, an extra bonus, yeah. but some people rely on that like niche as like, everything and that's where it gets 
Okay, final thing I want you guys to oh. both write down how oh. much sales you did last year for each one of your brands respectively, and I'll read them out. On <laughs> <laughs> a piece of paper, run down the uh, that's our next episode. You know what? I don't think we're going to air the show yeah. at yeah. all. Uh, yeah. You have to get out of here at 8. Well, I've seen yeah. Jay's house. I know he's thinking about it. I've seen the cost. Hey, it's my wife. I'll my wife it. is the breadwinner and she kills it. Uh, and yeah. much love to her. I'm just the you know, washed up surf dad. I like it. Well, I'm, I'm the aspiring washed up surf dad. So. And then there's the... He's making it happen. Yeah. Uh, surf dad. We're trying, dude. We're trying. Are you going to watch? Do I have a wife? Yeah. yeah. You do? Yeah. Any, kid, any chicklins? Two two girls. You got 11 two girls? and 7, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. ladies, he's taken. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what? For I'm the audience, will you tell them what you told me when I first started hounding you? I'm a fuck off? No, <laughs> no, not that. Okay, what did I say? You know what? I'm going to have I want. I want people yeah. to know this. Because General Admissions, one of the best fucking stores, right? Yes. Everyone wants to be there. You're the hottest. Yeah. You're the hottest yeah. chick. They, they denied me at Ruka. You're the years. hottest <laughs> chick at the prom, right? Yeah, we Everybody were. wants yeah. to bone you. And then guess what you told me? What? You're like, and I'm not making this no, up, no, right? No, no, no. You go, dude, you're probably the best rep I've ever met in my I, life. I, Did you not? I came in and told Jay's wife that. I said, no, no, I've never yeah. seen. So my partner, Gav, as you know, he's, he's old school Savrican and he's, you know, he built his company with his brother through the roof and sold it. He's... African Jews on notoriously the most savage business. Are they Jew? Yeah. Wow. He doesn't uh, look it. Oh, uh, are you kidding? You obviously haven't seen his nose. Uh, <laughs> delete that part. No, Lars yeah. is a Jew too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Just no, Gav is like a, a shrewd businessman. And he is like, it's hard to impress him. He's not easy and pleased. And he's got that tough exterior and he warms up and, you know, he's a, a big soft guy underneath it all. But. You were just in the Lyndon was in there every day and just come by and like wouldn't come down. And one day Gavin was just like, fucking, I love this dude. <laughs> He's like, oh, this guy's hustle. He's like, you know, anyone that comes in and works that hard, I'll give them a chance. Like, yeah. he's like, that's it. And then, you know, you put in some random backpacks that you were selling at the time and they sold. And we're like, shit, they actually sold. So, like, Lyndon was back in the next day, like, I don't see him anymore. Like, what's the next order? Yeah. And I was like, dude, that is, that's it's impressive, man. Gavin's like, if we have a wholesale, we're hiring that guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's true. And we talk about it all the time. You, you know, you... You're not just. We don't sit- have to talk about me, dude. Come no, on. no. I just said we're not. I just needed him to talk about me. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> well, it's always better yeah. when somebody else talks about yeah, you. Yeah, I talk about. about all the time. Just yeah. get us on the ping pong table, and then you'll hear real shit. Yeah. Come out. Well, can he even see over the? Table? <laughs> dude, are you serious, dude? You bring me up, and you bring me down. <laughs> you just fucking brought me up, and you just brought me down. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's just going oh. instinct. It's the Filipino instinct. That hurts, dude. Yeah. That hurts. This guy is the wall. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's the human wall. Yeah. He wins sixty percent of the games. I win forty percent of the games. Yeah. But every once in a while, but, but when he wins I'll run the, 40, the table, it, when his forty means ninety nine percent in his mind. Oh, really? So, <laughs> hey, last last weekend or two weekends oh, come ago, on. we 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 played. What did you guys right? play? That was not even. Fuck off, dude. dude. That counts. We both had the shitty paddles. Yeah. I smoked them three games shitty in a row. And you guys call shitty paddles ones with no grip on anymore? No, no grip. Yeah. No, this was no plastic. Nothing. Uh, it plastic. was a shitty. It was it was windy. It was like, but we both played the same elements, mm-hmm. and I smoked them My three games. That That's like same. somebody beating me in like, three games in the seventies or eighties contest that we do here, 
and like, oh, I surf way better than that guy. And it's like, oh, you do? Yeah. Well, because we both played with the same paddles and the oh same my fucking God. My dad used to tell me when I'd come in losing, complaining, he'd be like, yeah, the conditions are the same for everyone. Yeah. Uh, hey. so that's, that's exactly it, dude. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you take that. That's I will take it. Yeah. And I will take it. Tomorrow, and... you got a bigger house. We're... <laughs> hey, <laughs> I got a bigger... I'm, I'm tough. <laughs> yeah. I got a bigger family. Yeah. yeah. A bigger microphone. No, we're just... We're at three hours and six uh, minutes. This is the longest podcast shit, we've ever had. See what happens when we keep pouring beers? There's yeah. one more Corona premiere over there. Do you have Not to get out of here? Eight? No, yeah. no. I think... Let me text my wife. He's got to go. No, no. I mean, you got board shorts? You want to go hit the pool? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> Come on. They just, just take it over there. Yeah. You should get... That's what you should do next season. Yeah. For season two. Jacuzzi the type? Floating, J- the floating mic. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, you just have a little table in there. J- Has this been your first podcast? First podcast I've ever done. Dude. Oh, dude. This you're, is a ve- you're a veteran, bro. I, well, I love talking about myself, so. Yeah. yeah. So do we. We love talking. I'm kidding. Um, no. Hey, we're going to wrap it up. You've been Oh, wait, but there was, one, there was one thing that I laughed at when you sent me over the questions that you didn't ask me. Foiling? Uh, I think oh. it was foiling. <laughs> yeah, so that, I think it was number 17. I don't know. Did Whoa. you foil? Do you foil? 15. 15. Foiling, no, no. I, I don't foil, but as much as I want to hate it, I actually kind of want to try it. But now I felt like I missed the trend of trying it, so I'm like... Okay, put it this way. Why would you miss did, the trend? Did you kite surf before? Negative. Okay. No, I did you wind surf. surf before? Negative. So you're most likely not going to foil. I don't know why. Well, foiling seems appealing to me living in California where the waves are dog shit all the time. Yeah, it's windy. Yeah, that's it. Like, get a foil. It At looks, least I'll get in the water. It looks so Have rad. you guys not tried it either? No, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I like, can't afford it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I can see the house I live in. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> me too. <laughs> hey, tell, tell one of your rich clients to, hey... I'm going to start foiling. You should buy this for the both of us. But I've got to be able to foil before I can convince them to buy it. Oh, yeah. You know what I, mean? I forgot so about that. Jesse Fain's doing that. In- he's ripping. Yeah, he's good. He's, he, yeah. He'll, just ask him. He'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jess. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> no, but foiling the... Yeah. He's from South Africa, too? No. No, he's Australian. Oh, he's Australian? Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. I, I don't like him as much. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> so, no, but the foiling thing's a weird one. It's... It does look fun, but like everyone posts videos themselves, it's all a bit much. Yeah. Kyle Laney doing like alley-oops on it and shit, like, it's a bit much. But It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. You can get I'm waiting for someone to get chopped in half. Well, again, if we won the see, lottery... See all those dudes getting broke? Yeah. I, would, I would golf, I would foil, I would surf, I would I would do a lot of stuff if I had a lot of spare time, but I don't have a lot yeah, of spare time. Three kids, huh? No. Dude, ping pong and surfing and so all, that, Is he that did, you, huh? Did, I have and a play... I have a place in the mountains and I try to get him to go snowboarding, which is like, it's perfect yeah. surf all the time, unless you're going in the afternoon, whatever. It's 90% six foot and glassy. Yeah. Anytime you go. And it's He's so snowboard? fun. And he doesn't want to ever go. He, he doesn't like you like snowboarding? Beach. I do like snowboarding. I don't go very often because... Yeah. It's so fun. It's too yeah, much it work. Good. It no. isn't. You get it right up. You don't even have to paddle that's, into the waves. That's the good You just drop it in. It's like, like toe surfing. It. It's too cold. I, I, Without having to hold your breath for like eight minutes and like... Remember, I'm dark complected. I know. I need to have warm... Ah, uh, uh, yeah, thin blood. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It, big Manny Pacquiao fan? Yeah. You know, I never was really. No? Uh-uh. How old were you when you left? Six. Okay, so you had like a good amount of time. You had yeah. memories from the Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It was. It was. Uh, he, probably, he probably was on the senior then, right? No, no. No, he's yeah. He's only a couple of years. He's yeah. the same age as you. You know how old this guy is? Shut up, dude. There's no need to talk about it. Black don't crack. He's probably like 65 years old. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Close, close. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you 40? Yeah. Okay. The big four, right? Yeah. Cool. Wait. What? <laughs> Why are you so Shut up, dude. We're going to keep this a secret. Can we can talk. We can talk smack all day long. Yeah. Yeah, and we, that's what's beauty is that we can talk smack, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just. We're best friends. Well, we also Whoa. got all sensitive and stuff too. Like yeah. everyone's hypersensitive, the whole world is hypersensitive and everything, and that's what Surpa's built on. Like a kind yeah. of camaraderie, making fun of each other, hanging yeah. out. You know, it's... got a thick skin, bro. Yeah, exactly. Where Where do you? Where does your family live right now? My family's still in Cape Town, in South Africa. My dad's in Durban. My mom's in Cape Town. My sister's uh, studying at UCT, uh, so she, they're still there with her. Maybe when she finishes and I become a citizen, they'll come over. Um, but until then, that kind of there's actually a big week for South Africa with the elections. Mm. So you've obviously like seen all the news about everyone's seen the news about like farmers are losing their land and everybody you know it's a land steal and you know it's none of that. That's all bullshit. But yeah, it's a big election like a, and yeah. a new and a new government that's going to power. It's Is the there AMC. people moving to? South Africa? Is it a, a growing country or is it just No, I mean, stayed? They, they, they're moving from, in terms of from the rest of Africa, like down because it's kind of the last holdout, the last kind of prosperous African country, yeah. probably, you know, that's yeah. with like real opportunity and hope. Um, but not in a sense of like overseas, like foreign people moving, yeah. unless it's foreign investments, you know, which there's still a lot of because manufacturing's cheap, labor's cheap. Yeah. A lot of diamond gold mines. There's a lot of natural resources, but yeah. the corrupt government has just toasted all. So they've just like sold like a a mine that's worth you know five billion dollars in diamonds for like oh just because like just give me like five million bucks and buy me a Ferrari and like it's yours like you oh, get the geez. license you know it's like that it's that old good old boy network that back there exactly it's like WSL old yeah. boy network <laughs> <laughs> you'll be in with the crew to get in but we we like you guys yeah subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think we need to wrap this up. Yeah. I got kids out in the pool in Jacuzzi mm, like, without my supervision. I see, yeah, I saw your daughter in the pool with some good-looking young rooster. Yeah. So, <laughs> rooster. Yeah. 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 We're I got to go regulate. Yeah. Separate. Put your board and, put yeah. your board and booties on. Your wetsuit and booties on and get your board and go paddle the pool. That'll clear them. <laughs> So we, we've been trying to get Doom on the show for a while. Our, our schedules haven't aligned. Yes. Uh, and fuck, we finally made it happen. Yeah. And yes. it's probably one of the best podcasts we've yeah. done. Yeah. As I see, definitely you hold out and this is what happens. Yeah. Well, the sexiest word in the English dictionary. Say it again? The sexiest word in the English dictionary is? No. <laughs> and Lyndon is the ultimate salesman. So, like, let's be so, Damn. No, say it again, say it again. Yeah, Lyndon is the ultimate salesman. So Whoa. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Ruka, you should get Lyndon for the whole Southern California region. <laughs> he tried again. He, he passed kidding. it up back in the day. Yeah, just kidding. His forehead snap's not good enough. Yeah, Dude, he goes left. He goes right too much. Dude, hey, don't worry. Pat wouldn't take you to, like, you know, Slater's pool either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think. I don't know who took him. <laughs> you own the thing. Duma, like that board shorts. This has been super fun. Yeah. You're very Which, When you're done with your doc, documentary, let's, you know, regroup and, and have another sit down. 
Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about surfing in the Olympics. No. Yeah, oh, that so was on the, the list too. One. Yeah, yeah, that's the next one. So surfing in the Olympics. One of my athletes is guaranteed in. What? So what are we doing? Yeah, we didn't Holy we didn't talk shit. about that's next time. Best that's right. Best surf spot. Best favorite surf. favorite trip. Best travel companion. Like if you were to go on a plane Wait, now, how many other go South African surfers are there? So yeah, there's a whole crazy way that people qualify, but basically two, maximum two from each region. Anyway, how that works out, only 10 from the CT, but only maximum two from each region. So no matter what Jordy will be in, yeah, him and Kanoa. Top two, top two placement on the tour are... Top 10, in. get in. But with a maximum of two. So even if the top 10 are from Brazil is Brazilian. Yeah. Only two will two get Brazilian in and it'll go to... Yeah, top two per country. Eight, yeah. You know what I mean? So Jordy's guaranteed in. Kanoa's in already. You know, it's going to be a crazy battle between... Gabriel, Felipe, Italo, and wow. the rest of them. There That's is a right. way, there is one, there is an opportunity for one country to get three in if they win the ISA World Games. And mm. if you win the ISA World Games and there's already two guys accounted for, you'll be in. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff. It should, it should be interesting. It's it's confusing, but it's going to be an interesting time for surfing. Stay tuned. So, We're going to dive into more Olympic talk. Talk to Simpa. That's what you got Simpa coming on here we for. Do. Two times uh, US Open champion. Yeah. Legend. Legend. He's actually single handedly fucked this whole lineup. Yeah. He's made it so crowded with all the surf lessons and stuff. So. Seriously. <laughs> Honestly, it's yeah, like, this is a silent dig. Him and Ride Dog. Yeah. yeah. Him and Ride Dog and all the whole well, schools. At least Ride Dog doesn't go into the water. He just yeah. sits on the beach. Simpa's yeah. out there taking waves. Taking waves. Uh, he's, he's a local. Yeah. This guy's a local. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it? You're. What the fuck? Your wife is HB and you got a tattoo of HB on your lip. Hold on. Yeah, I got to take a picture of this. Well, yeah. Is that Hot Butter, your first sponsor? No, this is, this, this <laughs> is HB. I got this tattoo in HB. Kelly Rally. Why would you do that, Duma? Because I thought it was going to go away. <laughs> you got it because that you was your... You thought it was going to go away. So during the old Transworld Surf, you used to do this thing called the Kelly Rally. And it was a scavenger hunt with all the different yeah, surf teams. Yeah, I remember that. I was on the Rusty team. Started in San Diego, ended in San Francisco. And one of the things was to do, at this time I was doing my first visa for here, so I couldn't do a bunch of this shit because a lot of this stuff was like super illegal. And if I got yeah. caught and, you know, it would have fucked them up. But the lawyer was like, just do not get arrested. Kicked out. Yeah. So the tattoo one came around, it was get an HB tattoo. And they were like, dude, you've been, you've been getting away with murder yeah. until now, like it's yours. So I had to go and I was like, where did I get away? <laughs> Bottom of my foot. Did you get it here? Yeah, like up the road at some shitty place. And <laughs> actually, I got kind of more towards Costa Mesa. Hey, the we're dude's gonna, got... We're going to post a picture of Duma with an HB tattoo on the inside of his bottom lip. Southside for life. Yeah, okay. Southside for I'm life! The north side. That's right! Yeah, Fuck you guys. Neither do I. Hey, Neither that's, do I. Tower 2. That's Teddy's spot, bro. We made it too crowded. <laughs> Teddy who? Yeah. Exactly. Dude. Late Night Lar. Unless you got a girlfriend. Layback you know, Late Night Lar. Yeah. Dude, oh, this has been amazing. I think we said we're going to cut it off like uh, yeah, four times ago. ago, but this is insane. Make sure you drive into San Francisco when you listen to this one. Yeah, right? Damien Farrenfort. The most interesting surfer <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Hustler. Yeah. Yeah. Ripper. Duma. Tall mofo. So, Duma, real quick, South African, ex-pro surfer. Uh, retailer, general admission retailer, agent to Michael February, to the stars, and Jordy, agent to the stars, 
Uh, fucking, what was that? Uh, uh, what do you... Free Radicals. That's free Radicals. Is, yeah, so Free Radicals. What's your... What's your and strategy. What's your Instagram handle? Doomers Rumors. Doomers Rumors. Okay. And then, what... What's your best advice um, that you could give to, like, the Groms or the next generation? All the, like... Because we got a lot of Groms following us, I guess. I hope. Oh, sure. They've got... Groms have got lots of time to, to listen to this. If you make it this far, <laughs> I feel like this innovation is going to be underwhelming. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I, honestly, stay in school and finish school. Yes. You know, when I was doing the tour, I, I actually didn't finish school. And I wish I did. It's my greatest regret. Not that I think my life would have played out any differently, but I do wish I had finished school. But secondly, we were doing the QS full time, and one of our friends the whole time was just casually doing a degree on the side, like you know, homeschool and doing yeah. it. And you know, four years went by like that. And at the time, you need like, a fallback plan. Imagine, yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, like he missed one or two big nights out, like in Brazil or random countries, and he's like, "Oh, I've got this like business degree." And we're like, "What?" Like, yeah, four years gone, and he had this degree, and I, I wish I had that. And, School's not always right for everybody, but yeah. you know, but, I think there's programs you can be doing that can educate you, especially as a young surfer, and yeah. have other interests like and pursue them and have a point of difference. I guess is the biggest thing, you know. Amen, man. Great, Amen. Great advice. Great dude. advice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, follow your passion. I mean, hopefully, surfing's your passion, like all and, of us. But but have a backup plan and, and continue to learn. Continue to learn and, and be passionate about what you do. That's you'll it. Never yourself, be bored. And put yourself in the shoes of the brand. That's a big one too. Like you know, sympathy is not a sign of weakness. You know, or like, um, sorry, not sympathy. Empathy. The wrong. Empathy is not the sign of weakness. Like put yourself in there and understand it from their situation. Be like, okay, why they should they sponsor me? Yeah. Like if you get, if you have a sponsor and you're getting money, how do you make? How do you make them feel that much more special? Because yeah. then you're going to help you in the long yeah. run. Yeah. Don't be a sheep. Words exactly. of Don't wisdom sheep. from Damien Farrenport, yeah. a.k.a. Yeah. Duma. Tell yeah. your mom to not message me about managing you. I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm going to write up a contract over here yeah. right now. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, JJ's going to be pretty good. I saw JJ Larson. Cool. Well, he's so good looking already. He's already good looking. As long as he doesn't get bored. Are you? Gonna, like are you Whoa. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. I think it skips generations. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Because my dad's toast. So it's coming for me. Duke, Duke too, dude. He's yeah. going to be a, a little yeah. one. I saw him. He's, he's going to be fucking. Maniacs. Both those Larson boys are going to be gnarly. Maniacs. Little shit. Hey, this has been amazing. Thank you. Duma. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for beers. finally, you know, making time yeah. for us. Uh, you're doing great work. Um, Keep it up. Yeah, let's do this again. Absolutely. Just say when. All, All right. right. Peace nice out. One. Happy Thanks. Friday. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.